For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, friends. You're now listening to the lifestyle, leisure, and sports show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I just said I'm it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. Is. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. And he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's do it live on a Monday edition of the program. Bo and the boys with you for the next three. Austin Ward will join us at 1033. Sam Monson, PFF, going to join us at 1133. We'll blitz the weekend at 11 o'clock. Obviously, the football Take center stage, and I as I was the way that the youth sports worked yesterday. We were done early morning time. It was done by noon, and and so we I had like a full afternoon, which was cool. So we're able to go uh, do the groceries and and get kind of that set up, and then kind of lock in for the football for the for the six seven hour period that it that it went on. And as as you're watching it, and as I was reflecting on it last night, and even into this morning. I think what we are witnessing is the peak of the NFL. I think you have peak NFL right now. You have um, these championship games that, that happened yesterday. Both were classic games. The NFL has an ability to almost spin any story and make it interesting to all of us. And betting helps and fantasy football helps and, and all of those things for sure. But we are so intimately aware of these teams, even if they are not in our market. Um, and then the drama that they provide on a given Sunday, and in this case there was a ton of it in Championship Sunday, is second to none. And when you get back to the conversation about this being the peak of the NFL, it's also peak juxtaposed to the rest of its competition. And you have to remember, the NFL's competition isn't just college football or NBA or Major League Baseball. It's all entertainment. It's all of it. It, it, it encompasses all of it. It's, it's competing against everything, and it's winning hand over fist week after week, year after year, and the gap is just getting bigger. More and more people watching the NFL. Everybody else is kind of receding with the exception of, of college football and on the rare occasion where you get a streaming show or a uh, one of the shows on the prestige channels that, that kind of takes off, but that's so rare. I mean, we spent so much time talking about succession. It was like three and a half million people a week. We're watching it. Uh, the last true like phenomenon on, on like over the air, even pay channels was probably Game of Thrones or Yellowstone. Those were in the 15 million or 11 million. These games are going to do 50 million people. They're going to do 50 million people. They're going to do 10 times an NBA finals game. Um, it, this is, this is dominance, the likes of which we've never seen. And what you most of the time get at the NFL when it comes to championship weekend is, you get classic games and, and we got classic games again. These were both great. You, you're not going to get Georgia against TCU. They're not going to run up to some, you know, some of the things that college football happens at the end of the year where you don't necessarily always get a great game that entertains you. The NFL does. It delivers. And this was 
This was thrilling theater, and there's no end in sight to it, folks. This is this thing is king by by such a wide margin right now, and there's nobody even approaching it. Um, and yesterday was a perfect example of it. Just think of the storylines that you had. I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes, who is on the trajectory now that, boy, the, the problem with the Brady trajectory is you didn't know that it was a trajectory when it was happening early. You didn't mm-hmm. realize it till late because they weren't winning because of him early. It was later that you realized at, towards the end. I mean, to, to, to be in the spot he's in, at, at this age and to be chasing a third Super Bowl already and having and played in another one, it's stupefying stuff. On the Ravens side of it, you think of Lamar Jackson and the bet that he made on himself. He bet on himself. He had no agent. Anybody in the NFL could have had him. And yeah, they probably colluded to make sure that nobody did. But he ends up going back to Baltimore and he has him on the precipice of beating this monster Chiefs team at their place. They, they don't really play that cleanly. A couple of interceptions. We'll get to the game breakdowns in a second. But the storylines are there, and they're rich for the consumption. Go to the NFC side of it, and you think about the the notion with the 49ers and this this gold standard that's been there for 40 years. They Other than a couple of moments in the, in the early 2000s and the late 2000s where they fell off a cliff, they've largely been omnipresent in terms of the very best in the sport. And the Lions, my God, it writes itself. I mean, it's a coach out of central casting. It's, it's cast offs. It's guys who were doubted. It's all of those things. You throw in the fact that M&M's at one game and Taylor Swift's at the other. You got everything that you want on a championship Sunday. And, and as I got done last night watching it all and, and the Niners close it out, obviously we'll get into the breakdown and some of the stuff that happened as the show goes along, but just big picture. I don't know that we've, that the NFL has ever been bigger than it is right now. And there's no stopping it. And I think championship Sunday delivered in every possible way. And we've talked about it because we've lamented late starts for years on this show. And then we talked about how good the playoff scheduling has been that, okay, Saturday night, that one gets that Mm -hmm. true primetime eight o'clock window. But they've stuck with this 630 for the second game on the Sunday, three weeks in a row. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's great to have the game. And it's like 10 o'clock when it's over. You really don't feel like you're pushing it at all. And that's a perfect way to, to end your week and go into a new week. You talk about peak NFL and the biggest difference that has changed over really the last decade decade and a half because you mentioned the streamers and that's kind of the the other thing that every once in a while can grab hold and get everybody's yeah, attention right. and everybody's I watching meant to, i but, actually wrote that down i meant that because they're, you're like squid game and those things when they go nuts yeah but the nfl superpower is that everybody watches at the same time because it's live yeah. sports it's not dvrable as we also say a lot on this show because you don't you're not going to walk into your office today and say to somebody, oh, did you see the games? And they're like, oh, no, no, I uh, I couldn't get to it last night. We're going to watch it tonight. But that'll happen with TV shows and stuff. No, everybody can go in and knowing that everybody who, you know, anybody that pays any close attention to sports, watch these games and they'll have something to say about it. That's another thing because the NFL is so omnipresent. You watch it so often that even if neither of your teams or, you know, any of your teams are in either of these games, you still have an opinion on these games going in and going out which is something that other sports don't have. When it's two teams that you don't care about playing in the NBA Finals, you might watch, but you don't really have any strong feelings about it. People have strong feelings about everything in the NFL. Took us about eight minutes, nine minutes, to get to the real issue here. The script. (laughs) (laughs) Three penalties for 30 yards to the Kansas City Chiefs. Eight penalties for 95 yards to the Baltimore Ravens. Ignore the three Baltimore turnovers. They wanted Taylor (laughs) Swift in the Super Bowl. Yeah. From day one, and they got it. They did not want Detroit in the Super Bowl. You're up 17. How do you blow that second half lead? Now they've got San Francisco Just, and Kansas City. Okay. The script. 
All right, Professor. It Professor works. Script. Professor Script. Yes, go ahead. What if 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 the NFL is scripted? I would contend that their better script would have been Detroit. Because then you could have had Eminem and Taylor, and they could have done a shared halftime show. No, Usher's got to do the halftime show. Well, you just move him to next year. That's too much star power in one stadium. Just move him to next year. It would have been fine. Well, we can't have happy Eminem. That's the thing. How about him with... You don't get a joyous Eminem. You need an angry Eminem. Halftime, he's floating double birds to to 49ers (laughs) fans. It didn't turn out well. It, uh... Also, it turns out that the color logo thing, nope, wasn't part of the NFL's plan because that it's purple and red this year for the Vegas That was one. a really good conspiracy theory, though. And it was so close to being close. true again. But like I said the other week, I think it's really just, they just choose nice-looking colors, and so do NFL teams, and that's why yeah. they have those colors. Except and the they Browns. Most NFL teams are red and blue. So if you if one of your colors is reddish, you're most likely going to get it right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that typically is the way that it goes. Those those two are the most identifiable. Um, yeah, I think from a the in, in terms of the games and the drama and all of it, from a presentation standpoint, I, it's amazing like how far for me Romo has fallen and how I mean it's I watched. I don't know what the hell you. he's trying to I, do. I, I couldn't. It's bad. It's he's wrong on a thing. It's like with there was an interception. Lamar threw an interception with like twelve minutes in the. In the fourth quarter, did he throw? Was it an interception or was it a, a Bengal a Ravens turnover? And he goes, "It's over, Jim, unless it's not well, the pick in the back of the end zone or the back of the end zone, triple coverage." That yeah. might have been, yeah, yeah. It's over, Jim, unless it's not. I okay. guess, <laughs> I guess, yeah. There's a lot of time. They're down. They're they're well within reach here, man. There's plenty of time for them uh, to go handle their business on it. Yeah, it's um, the 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 overwhelming production that all of it that's just. It was. It's a big win. It's as big a win as you're going to get in the, in in sports, and, and quite frankly, in entertainment. It it just checks every single box, and it will do so for two weeks. In terms of how this matchup ended up, I I, I think all of us. I mean, I didn't need the Ravens in there. Just as somebody who who does stuff with the Browns and, and roots for Joe Burrow, I, I don't need to see Baltimore winning a Super Bowl. That's that does no good to me. But I I really would have loved to see the Lions. Uh, in there, and it was uh, that's a that's a very cruel way to lose um, the way that they lost, and and some of the second guessing, and and Dan Campbell, he attacked it. I mean, as as head on as you can, you got to tip your hat to him for the way he attacked it. Um, but it it was a, it was a tough watch to watch there, to watch it all crumble for them because if you if you think about you know our teams and and whether it's the Bengals or the Browns in the NFL and hell even sometimes the Buckeyes like. Sometimes there's an inevitability that almost feels like there is a piano hanging over your head everywhere you go. And I'm sure for a Lion fan yesterday, even up 24 to 7, there had to be some of you that was like, well, there's no way we, there's no way we're going to get this. Like this doesn't happen. We don't have nice things. They get all the nice. We don't have nice things. And then it played out that way. At least it was quick though. It wasn't death by a thousand paper cuts. It was eight minutes into the third quarter and all of a sudden it's tied up 24, 24 and the 49ers have completely turned this game around and then they, they go on to win it in the two games yesterday. I found it weird because I didn't expect this going in, but I was rooting for Lamar and the Ravens. Just, I could just tell during the game that I was doing it. And maybe it's maybe it's fatigue. I don't know what it is. And the lions, despite me picking the 49ers to cover, which they eventually got to, uh, and then they gave it up right there at the end. But despite picking the 49ers to cover that seven or seven and a half that we picked it at. Yeah. I was excited for the Lions. So like I, I found myself in the actual games, like who was my actual rooting interest? And it was truly yeah, Ravens and Lions in the two games, and it went the wrong way for both of them. 
Yeah, I wanted to see in, in the moment. I wanted to see Lamar succeed because yeah, I think he's, he's easy to root I, for. He is, but there's a lot of tough questions and a lot of uh, there's justifiable finger pointing at Lamar Jackson on this Monday. Yeah, for sure. And it it's it, it goes back to a lesson I learned last week. Like I'm never betting against that kid. Well, in red, I'm not. I'm he's not. He just. He's just different. He's built different. Uh, Bob texted me. Uh, the one thing with Mahomes is going to be Reed's age. He's right, but but I w- I would just counter with, I'm not so sure that there won't be so- another version of him winning with another coach and other tight ends and other receivers. Like they'll they'll just they're they're never going to not run this offense. Reed is a genius. There's no question. But there will be somebody else that will be handpicked that will will have that operation. I just think he's the cheat code. Well, and Mahomes is to a degree that Peyton Manning got to, Tom Brady got to, probably like a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know, going over to he, yeah. he to bring everybody he wanted over to, to New York. Those guys who are that at the top of the league for that long, they become the offensive coordinator. So whoever you hire for Kansas City, they are going to have to yeah work in with what Patrick Mahomes wants because he's the the real deal there for them. And yeah, it's just becoming inevitable for him. If I told you that the Chiefs only scored seventeen and didn't score in the second half, you would have been like, oh yeah, Ravens won. Ravens won. Nope. Yep. No. 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 Because when it comes to a play, a pass, a scramble, there was it's several times on th- on key third and fourth downs throws scrambles and he, he just does it he does just he's going to do enough and he never and makes just, a mistake in the playoffs no, not in the postseason no he there doesn't. was only three points scored in that second half but it was as exciting of a half as there Thrilling. was yeah they both it was awesome awesome theater uh we'll hear from some of the participants in it we'll take a look at the super bowl we're going to break down the games too obviously as well coming up next we have a new head coach at the university of michigan and we have a new offensive coordinator with the cleveland browns what do both of those things mean for both the buckeyes and the Browns coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Big Voice Guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Drink recommendations, movie reviews, sports discussion, and whatever the hell Reeser does. This is Bishop and Friends. Hey guys, it's Chops. Let's see if you can guess what these potential side effects are from. Pancreatitis, urgent bowel movements, depression, suicidal thoughts, kidney stones, birth defects, hypoglycemia, anxiety, and insomnia. If you guess weight loss injections, you, sir, would be correct. All of those risks when 80% of patients gain their weight back within a year of stopping the medications anyways. Now, how about these side effects? Fat loss, happiness, increased mobility, confidence, restful sleep, and increased energy. Those are the effects Awaken 180 clients experience when losing their weight fast and for good thanks to free support for life i'm confident that awaken 180 would work for you the same way it has worked for me it is the solution for weight loss if you already know medications aren't the route for you give awaken 180 a call at 844-346-1800 or schedule your consultation at awaken 180 com. bishop and friends we're sponsored by awaken 180 fast sustainable weight loss without medications the solution for weight loss awaken 180 weight loss i uh i did i hear that so people you could take like you get a shot 
No, that's 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 a, no, 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 not, not awaken. I'm saying like, yes, that's happening now. There are, yeah, those are. I know what awaken. I've seen tons you. Of I've seen Austin. I've swear. seen all the people like how you guys have crushed it with it, but I didn't know anything. You know that was going on. The other no, no medications it. with awaken. No, no, no. I know that. I, I, I mean, I've seen you. I've seen Austin. I've and Scotty's doing it. You guys are killing it. It's obviously very, very solid. I no, just didn't know about the other part that took me off guard. Be careful, kids out there with the with the injections. Um, all right, Sharon Moore. It was known that this was the way that they were going to go. Um, you're seeing the bleeding of that staff that's starting to go with Harbaugh to mentors going. Uh, there's another guy this morning from the offensive staff that's going. Um, so that his staff is starting to be filled up with guys who were with, were at Michigan. Um, and so Sharon Moore is going to be taking over that. Well, he is. He's taking over that operation. So then you say to yourself, all right, if from, from their perspective, is this a weather the storm higher? Is this a... Because this comes out of nowhere. If he's not the interim coach, if he doesn't have... Now, he beats Penn State, he beats Ohio State. Harbaugh was there throughout the week. Um, and I do think what I... I still believe what I said last week. A, a big part of his... A big part of this is the way that he responded after the Penn State win. The tirade yeah. on, on television. That's a big part of it. It was, I think it was galvanizing for the team, for the program, for the alumni... Probably wish he didn't say, you know, the curse words, but at the same time, like there was an energy to it that was very appealing. It fed to, to that Michigan base. versus no everybody thing. There's no doing question. Now. Yeah, there's no question. Um, now the job ahead. Keep a roster intact. By the way, I think we're pretty right on that, that because of where this fit in the calendar, there's really no way for those kids to to find new homes this quickly. Um, some of the class will probably try to get poached, but in terms of the kids who are there, you're so far into this, into the, into this, into the calendar that you're not going to see the mass exodus that you saw at Alabama. Their real attrition was in the NFL draft, anyways. If you look at yeah. like who's coming back next year, there are still some good players. Donovan Edwards is there. The Will Johnson, the cornerback, is coming, but it's not very many returning starters for him. No, and and they've recruited pretty well. So you know, I, I know there's a freshman quarterback coming in. Like they've got some guys coming in, but th- there will not be a, a true roster purging the way that there was at Alabama. Number one, they don't have the returning talent that Alabama does. But number two, because of the calendar, so he's got. This is what I think from from the more perspective. He has the month of uh, of March spring, right now, the month of February, the month of March to win over and and kind of reaffirm to those who are there that he can lead the operation. And then he'll have to deal with real, real issues. And that will come in the spring transfer window if he can't win kids over. It's going to come right now in recruiting. Like he's got to be recruiting like a madman. You see the Ohio State coaches scouring the country like maniacs, recruiting like crazy. So he's going to have to start doing that. And then he's going to have to weather an NCAA investigation and rulings that are going to come later with the NCAA, who knows what the timeline on that is. I guess the question becomes then is he a guy to get you through all that? Or is Sharon Moore long for that job? Is he the coach at Michigan five years from now? The odds would say no. And in, it, in my view, I, I don't see it. I think it's. I think he's going to have a – and it's got nothing against him personally. I just think it's going to be a brutal stretch trying to get through all of that. Yeah, and the rise for him coming in as like the tight ends coach in 2018 and all of a sudden you're the, you're the head coach at Michigan six years later or whatever, that's – that's pretty crazy. It it does feel like something that, and he could prove us wrong, but that it's just a little bit too much, a little too fast for him. But the kids on the team seem to love him. There was multiple reports of 
players lobbying for him yep. pr- privately Marcus to the Freeman. leadership. Yeah, and then also there were players were voicing their support on social media, so it was the the obvious choice for them. It doesn't really appear like they did any sort of search. Did they still hire a search firm for somebody to give him one hundred and twenty five <laughs> grand and be like, yeah, that guy who you already have working for you, we'll take our one hundred twenty five thousand. Thanks. I did wonder if like feelers had been sent out and their returns on those were now nah, we're going to wait and see what happens. <laughs> Could like if, be. if they'd have yeah. reached out to any agent, any agent of yeah. note and been like, would any of your clients be interested? And the agent either said new phone who dis or let me yeah. know when your NCAA sanctions are up. And then I'll let you know if I've got clients that might it's be interested. Point. It's a great point. You're, you're stepping into a snake pit. You have no idea. An unknown snake pit. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things where it's similar to, as you were saying that, I blurted out Marcus Freeman because, I mean, that's the reason that, that Marcus got the job at Notre Dame is because of the timing of it. And Notre Dame was like, my God, we can't let this recruiting class fall apart. We can't let this team fall apart. Like, we got a good base nucleus of guys here. Everybody loves Marcus. Let's roll with it. He's two years into it. It's gone fine, I think, right? I mean, they've they've beaten most of the teams they're supposed to beat. They haven't really beaten anybody they weren't supposed to. It's really so it's just the of, like loss to Marshall after losing to Ohio State year one. the first year. That yeah, like, that was brutal. But well, he, he finished he that season that. stronger than yeah. they looked. He, we just kind of forgot about him because they lost to Marshall. <laughs> yeah, he salvaged that season in year one, and then last year they kind of beat everyone they were supposed to, and then didn't beat anybody they weren't supposed to. So um, you just got to get over that hump. Yeah, yeah. But I, more could be in a similar spot. He really could. Um, the reported hire, real quickly, the reported hire of Ken Dorsey to be the Browns' offensive coordinator. Um, so they interviewed a ton of guys for that. My hunch is that's a hire that says Stefanski's not giving up play calling, which I don't think he should. Um, I, to me, that's more of a Deshaun Watson nurturer job, like almost like Deshaun Watson personal. Because Dorsey did that as a player. He was always well-known as like being incredibly supportive of quarterbacks. And I mean, he was on Played NFL for the rosters. <laughs> yeah, and he was on NFL rosters for a long time because he was very good at supporting the starter. And that's my hunch on that, that it's more about that because, and, and not about, because the other people they interviewed, several of them would have been, I'm calling plays. It's interesting too, because I like to give credit because I think it's, it's right that Brian Dable was, there was something really special about what he could do to help Josh Allen yeah. as, as he was coming into the league and now as a, a superstar of the league. But Ken Dorsey was the quarterback coach at that time. So as the mm-hmm. full offensive coordinator, like really taking control in Buffalo, that didn't end up working out to, you know, as much as he would have liked. But, Personally, with a with a quarterback and the development of that player, he definitely had a hand in Josh Allen becoming one of yeah. the best players in the NFL. I just hope it's not a uh, Deshaun Watson babysitter gig. I, I'm going to use nurturer. <laughs> Deshaun Watson nurturer gig. Uh, they've got to get him. I mean, he's responding to he's on social media responding to like he's the worst. Hosts. Like, what is he doing? Come on. What what are we doing? Like streaming. She's responding to criticism of streaming. She's like, come on, dude. I'm going to have to look up. I have not seen that. I'm going to have to look that up at the break it's, here. It's I not, did yesterday when I saw some of that. I did a slam my laptop shut. Yeah, I, I rage went, quit the Internet. What are we doing? Why are you doing this? Uh, we have a Super Bowl and it is set. It is Kansas City. It is San Francisco. It will be in Vegas in two weeks. It's a good one. Obviously, a lot of history on the line for Patrick Mahomes. We'll start to get into that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. An encyclopedic knowledge of sports and other random things you may or may not care about. I think I found my mentor. Rockman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watch up. What's up, man? What's up, well, here's what's up on a Monday. The Super Bowl is set. It'll be uh, two weeks from yesterday, February 11th, 6.30. You're right. They they love the 6.30. It wasn't always this way, but they are, it, I, they've always started the Super Bowl at 6.30. Um, so they, that's their sweet spot. And they, they did it throughout the playoffs. It's awesome. I love it. Everybody loves it. You're out. You're 10 o'clock and you're in. Um, is does the Super Bowl... Is the twelfth the holiday or not? Is that the next weekend? Is like the is the President's weekend? I think it's the next weekend. The nineteenth is President's Day, but uh, I don't know that for sure. I think you're right. Yeah, February nineteenth. That's a shame. Like, they, let's just move President's Day to the Monday after the Super Bowl. But what about the presidents? They're fine. They get a day. Perfect way to celebrate them. Mm. Super Bowl Monday off. I mean, we not us, but like normal. You, normal people have it off, and then they get get a normal day. That'd be that's the win. So that you don't have to do it. But the the 6.30 kick is money. It is Chiefs and Niners. Don't even think about it. Who are you rooting for? I guess I reaction. I guess I almost said Chiefs there. So maybe it is Chiefs, even though I have a Mahomes fatigue. But there's something special about them. It's it's going to – what it'll come down to – I mean, like, obviously all of the pressure is on Kyle Shanahan, right? I mean, this will be his third trip to the Super Bowl. He blew it as big as you can blow it when when he was in Atlanta and they were up 28 to – 28 to 3? Mm-hmm. Is it 28 to 3 in that game? Yeah. 28 to 3. I think the quarterbacks that guy's had in Super Bowl games. <laughs> oh, it's nuts. Like, now, Ryan at least won the MVP. All-timer, right. Garoppolo <laughs> and now Purdy. And, and this is his second yeah. shot at Mahomes, too. Second second bite at the apple at Mahomes. Uh, and we had um, the... It came to, didn't it come, it came to a blown coverage the last time, four years ago, where they, they, there was a blown coverage. They knew the play was coming and there was a blown coverage where Mahomes got somebody deep. Um, as smart of a guy he is, he does seem to kind of, you know, dribble down his leg in the, in the Super Bowl in the second half of those games. Yeah, for sure. And then Garoppolo had a bad interception, um, which I think probably led to them trying to get Trey Lance. And now eventually they're in the Brock Purdy business. Purdy was clutch, and we're going to break down the game a little bit later. He was clutch again this week when he needed to be, and and they they were great. But it's I am a I am a sucker for uh, the notion of watching history unfold live. Yeah, and there is something with Mahomes where you you're getting to the point where you're going to be able to say. I feel like I'm watching the best to ever do it. And and it feels like we're getting there with him. This is his fourth Super Bowl appearance. He will be going for his third win. Um, he's been to the AFC Championship game every single year that he's been a starting quarterback in Kansas City, losing the first time to, to Tom and the Patriots and losing a couple of years ago to Joe and the Bengals. Other than that, this is what he does. They they go to the Super Bowl. They go to the AFC Championship game. Most of the time they go to the Super Bowl, and we'll find out if most of the time they win it in a couple of weeks. And there is, I, I think, probably the most similar thing I can think of to Mahomes, and I compared him to LeBron last week from the standpoint of just physically it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Perhaps the better one would have been Steph, um, where there is a there is a wonderment to watching him play the position, and and there's with Steph there became fatigue, and I don't know if that's just because you know we were seeing him all the time because they were playing the Cavs, but even nationally, I think there's like there becomes some Steph fatigue when you see somebody so often it starts to get that way, and I, I do think there's probably some of that setting in with Mahomes. It's funny 
I, I kind of with you guys, I feel like when it comes down to it on that Sunday, I probably will be rooting for him. Well, because you talk about the idea of like actually watching the greatness unfold. So the beginning of this postseason, because they didn't have the bye this year, that usually they're at home the entire time. They never have to go in road games during this yeah. Patrick Mahomes run. Well, they had to go on the road twice, and they won both of them. But at the beginning, it was yeah, they had kind of a down year. It feels like they're in transition between what is the next grouping going yes. to be around Mahomes. Travis Kelsey has lost maybe a half step, maybe even a full step by some people. And then the playoffs start happening, and they go through. And then winning yesterday, that's where it's like, Okay, now that he's there in the Super Bowl, I think I am more rooting for, wow, give him his third, and then he might actually be able to make a run at this Super Bowl record, which for Tom Brady's stance, that's another thing. I had to sit there and be like, is it seven? It's seven, it is seven. It? So even three is not even halfway, but he's no. technically kind of on pace. I mean, it has been kind of a – it's been a hell of a season for Kansas City, like losing what they lost – I think they got drilled by the Broncos, and then they lost because Cardarius Tony couldn't figure out where he was yeah. at the line of scrimmage. They just yanked him from the lineup. And well, yeah. he didn't even he had a kid and didn't even play, mm-hmm. which could be addition by subtraction for them. Yeah. But then they just go on this postseason tear. I mean, they held Baltimore to three points in the second half. Like that's the biggest thing for me was they were able to. I mean, Lamar Jackson MVP. Almost, I don't know if unanimously, but he will it'll be close. Like yeah. the 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 play, uh, throwing passes to himself, <laughs> yeah, and so. they're just able to completely shut it all down in the second half defensively. Yeah. Well, it was impressive. Yeah, I feel like that's least. something that gets forgotten with this Chiefs team this year too, because we're so enamored with Patrick Mahomes and the offense dipped a little bit. Yeah, it's probably the best defense he's ever had on the other side of the ball. There's no paired up with him. Yeah, there's no question. And they you know, as we had uh we had Adam Teicher on last week and and we were talking about, you know, he he mentioned when he was on with us that, you know, when the perception that Mahomes didn't have a great year and his pushback was you could argue he could argue that having been there for every snap that while statistically it didn't look like it, he probably had his best year because of the deficiencies around them. They don't have they have an aging Travis Kelsey, although you wouldn't know it from yesterday. Uh, but they have a, a clearly an aging Travis Kelsey. They don't have a go-to receiver. He's basically picked a different guy every week. Now they have Rice going at least finally for them. So they have some certainty there. Um, but Pacheco has come along as the season went along. And the crazy thing about Pacheco is every time I hear somebody say his name, I think of threes because he did so many Rutgers games. Yeah. And he was always talking about Isaiah Pacheco. So like that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind is, is is James when he when anytime I hear his name with Mahomes there is um there's an inevitability to it both in the season and in the moment where I, I mentioned this last week like even if the field goal goes in in Buffalo he's gonna go score and at no point yesterday did I think Baltimore would win at no point even as though soon as, as the soon Chiefs as never behind, really fully separated but it never just, yeah. no it got fourteen to nothing at that point I said it's good they'll do just enough. He he doesn't he's not going to make a mistake. You mentioned that earlier, Chops. He doesn't he doesn't make the terrible pick. He doesn't throw into triple coverage in the red zone. Like every every time they need something, he's there to provide it. And it's it's all there. And then the counter in this Super Bowl, which I, I think is a fascinating one, is the 49ers clearly have the best roster. I mean, they Yeah, yeah I was saying to somebody that's an all-star team. It's it is an all-star. It's crazy the amount of talent that they have on that roster. And McCaffrey is amazing, um, and and the idea that it's 
that it's Purdy who, when you look at him statistically, he led the league in pretty much every passing category that matters, rating, yards per completion, all of that stuff. He, he led the NFL in almost all of it. Um, but you watch him play and, it, and it's very obviously no, no one's Patrick Mahomes, but it's, it's, it's going to come down to him. You, you Can also, he make the plays in the last couple of minutes? Because this it's going to be a competitive game. It's going to be a close game. You mentioned Purdy leading in all those statistical categories. And then you also talked about Patrick Mahomes and how it maybe was perceived that it was a, a down year for him. Um, but actually, it, I, this is something that was pointed out to me, and I, and I looked into it a little bit more myself. Yeah, it was just a down year for passing in the NFL in general. That whole two-eye safety, we're taking away the long ball thing, has like yeah. come full course and has really started. Like, Tua Tungvaluwa had the most passing yards this year at 4,600, which is like 500 less than we've seen over most of the last few years. Usually the yeah, leader right. gets to 5,000. I mean, C.J. Stroud led all people in yards per game at like 273. Yeah. When was the last time a qu- we didn't have one quarterback point. at over 300 yards per game? It feels like it's been a long time. Well, Mahomes threw for 5,600 not that long ago. So, like, that's a full thousand less than yeah. what he's done at his best. And so. he did uh, 4,100 this year, 4,183 yeah. in the 17 games. Yeah. So 16 there, for so him. That has happened. They have taken away that, that part of the game was lacking this year in the league across the board. Well, I guess um, the constant there be Tyreek Hill. If yeah. you have Tyreek Hill, he leaves the league. Hill, I mean, he can run, he can run Mahomes feels like the ultimate example of when we talk about the quarterback elevating everybody around yeah, him. Sure. Everybody is made better because of how good he is. I'm not ready to say that about Brock Purdy, but I do think it's safe to say that he's not the game manager that people wanted to label him oh, with God, throughout no. the entire season. Like, that is dead. I think it's no, like the, the inverse. The, the 49ers roster is so good that it lifts any quarterback around them. There's truth there, yeah, but, but less so that he's just a, like, you can just plug in anybody. He's good. No, he's good. I mean, he's, he is. He's clutch. It's two weeks in a row where they needed stuff and he went and did it. I think the real truth is that Matt Campbell at Iowa State just isn't that good of a coach. I love saying that. There's a buddy of mine up in Cleveland who's a big Matt Campbell guy. I'm yeah. just saying, how'd this guy blow all of this? He, he had, had Brock Purdy talent. and Brees Hall at one for one years. Nothing. <laughs> one nothing, like one one New Year's. It's not like they were in the SEC either. Like no, they were. They the were league not. Is very winnable considering that kind of talent. I would agree with you on that. Um, look, it was a brutal weekend on the ice and on the hardwood. Uh, we will get to that coming up next. Bishman friends, right here on the fan. We're known for three things. Games, conversation, and common man yelling about things only he cares about. The Fan, Ohio's sports destiny. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. So typically this time of year, uh, the the it's the onus is on either the Buckeye men's basketball team or the Blue Jackets to to make to make us in, to be interesting, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the job, and we talk about that all the time. That be interesting in January. That's the job, and uh, they are, but not necessarily for good reasons. Um, you could do a choose your own adventure on this one if you wanted to. Uh, the just put, this is all just facts. Like this isn't like no hyperbole. Like this is just the facts of what's going on with the Blue Jackets. So they they did win Thursday 
against Calgary. It was their first regulation win since since December 19th. Um, They gave up a three-goal lead in Vancouver um, on Saturday. Then Sunday, give up three in the first and lose to Seattle 4-2. to While all of that is going on in the Seattle game, Adam Fantilli, who's been one of the few things that you could watch and be excited about. He goes out with an injury, does not play in the third. Pascal Vincent says, you know, I, I don't really have much. I was reading Porty this morning, doesn't have much. We'll, we'll have to see. Nobody knows what that means. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, Nobody does. It, it, I guess I could <laughs> say nebulous. that's never a good sign, but it doesn't never really mean sign. anything. I don't have no idea. David Yerchek, who's a first-round pick, who they said they, they called him up to go. They say, go get an apartment. Then he doesn't play for a month. Because, of course, we have to try to teach lessons and all of these things. Um, they send him back to Cleveland. He's not happy about it, but he goes there. He likes the coaching staff, so he's going to go down to Cleveland and try. But it's possible if they call him back up, he might not even report. So that's that's real. First-round pick, that's that's a lot of fun. That's a good time. Um, they're one of the worst teams in the NHL. And then on top of it, Patrick Laine is sent home from the, from the trip, in the middle of the trip, and we're told that it is a setback. Um, the inf- kind of the inference is that it's injury related, but then you get the news over the weekend that he's actually in the player assistance program. So this is, and I didn't even know what this was, but this is potentially substance abuse, mental health. Any number know. of those kind of things. Could be yeah. any number of things. Just that something that be. a player has to work through in the NA- NHL yeah. and the players association, try to help them work through whatever work they're trying to whatever. go through. Yeah. In short, it's a lot. It, it's a lot going on um it's an unmitigated disaster on the other side of things we've now seen two straight buckeye road games where it ain't there it ain't there from an intestinal fortitude part it's not there from a talent standpoint um the the loss in nebraska was was a a tough inevitable loss the one in north at northwestern on saturday was you knew (laughs) when they they northwestern scores right before half and you go well there's no coming back from this yeah. I mean, it was kind of like a four, 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 six point game, kind of the whole, and then it's like, okay, well, that's, that's done. We're, that you're cooked on that to the point where Adam Jardy, uh, actually went to Gene to get a quote about, you know, are we, is there going to be changes with the staff? Would something happen mid season? Uh, Gene with this quote to Adam, he said, we have a lot of season left to play. We have coaches and players that are focused on winning every day. I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. They played number 10 Illinois tomorrow. Oh, that's not gonna. I don't. I mean, I have no reason to think that that's going to be a good outcome for them. No, and it it's just, not good. it's the same thing as last year. Thirteen and three, I believe. Last year they were like twelve and two going into January or right after you know the Big Ten play was really starting this year, and it, they just can't win. They've lost what four or five in the Big Ten. It, it's not going to get better here. So their whole January is basically just a mess again. And you talked about the the game at Nebraska, but also this goes to the game at Michigan because. Yeah, they were. It was twenty three twenty at six forty eight left in the first at Northwestern. Then it was forty one thirty at half, and by that time they they just folded. Then in the second half, but you're talking okay. You're within three, and then over that last six or so minutes, you go to down eleven at half at Nebraska. It was thirty two thirty two with three thirty four left in the first half. They were down forty three thirty five at half, an eight point swing there at Michigan. They're Three road games ago, 21-19 with seven and a half left in the first half, down 37-28, nine points at halftime. They are not showing that urgency that we keep talking about and closing out halves, and then the second half starts, and they seem dejected, and the teams just run away with it. I think, unfortunately for them, like, I think probably what you're going to say is, you know, we got to fight, we have to, you know, we got to battle, we got to fight, we got to do all those things. I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think the roster's good enough. 
I, I don't think that the there there isn't there isn't some magic elixir that oh let's just install this and then we'll be okay. It is a real struggle in the half court. It's a real struggle in Big Ten play in the half court, and it's very possible that there was a lot of fool's gold out there in November in December that led everyone to believe they were better than they are. And it turns out those guys like Roddy Gale and, you know, Bruce Thornton has been going through a rough patch and Jamison Battle can't hit five threes every single game. That no, there's no they can't game get shots. There's no game breaker on the no. roster right now. So when or they're not playing, I I mean, like Middleton and Royal were big time recruits, I, you know, but they don't get much. It feels like look. I don't know. It feels like right now because of that situation with the players and nobody being like a true difference maker out there in Big Ten play. Every team that is on their level or better than them will beat them. That's how I feel going into every game. It has to be like worst team in the league, which obviously they're close to at this point. But those are like the only teams they're going to beat down the stretch. A top ten Illinois team, no, no chance. I mean, it's just find your best shooter and just camp them out in the perimeter, and they'll let you go. Yeah, that's it. They just, yeah, you just, it's, yeah, we spent, we talk a lot on the, on the defensive end. You get 83 points. Like it's, it's not going to work. Uh, the Jackets thing is an unmitigated disaster. Did you see like the power play trend in those Saturday, Sunday games? So they gave up three power play goals on the penalty kill to in the third period. So the Canucks could go to overtime and, and take the victory. Right. And then against the Kraken, they gave up three goals in the in the first, and two of them were power play goals. So they had five straight power play goals given up, five straight failed kills <laughs> across two games. That and they're already not good at the penalty kill, but that kind of stuff just puts you in that. I've still been keeping track of it. Games in which the opponent scores three goals in a single period, the Jackets have lost fifteen such games this year. Yeah, and when it rains, it pours. Yeah, they're. I don't even know. Like, if Fantilli's out for a while, I don't even know. Like, this is going to be a long slog this second half uh, through February and, and March. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's brutal. When it's, I saw it's that, brutal on both fronts, but it's really brutal. When I saw that stat that they hadn't won in regulations since December 19th last week on Thursday, That's I was crazy. like, that can't be right. And looking through, yeah, all their wins are in overtime. That's the only, like, bright spot for them is they seem to have a knack to push games into overtime, but some of that is their third period collapses that allow the other team actually to be the aggressor and push it into overtime. And honestly, the same thing that I I said about Ohio State basketball, you kind of say about the Blue Jackets right now, they're just not very, they're not good. They're just not like they, they're, they're stuck between playing kids and, and not they're stuck between trying to teach lessons and trying to develop. Um, I mean, I would just play the damn kids. I just play the kids. Like it's enough. Like you don't, there's no reason to send your chick down. Just put him on a in a top top six defense pairing and let's go. Like let him learn on the fly. You thought he was ready a month ago and then he sat for a month and didn't play. Like if he makes mistakes, let him make them at the NFL NHL level. What, what good's it do him to go back down to? Cle- There's no point. Play you, him. You started the segment talking about like the job of the yeah. CBJ and Ohio State basketball is be relevant in January, and right now it's trending that these two are going to be relevant at their end of their season for the wrong reasons because sure. I think we're going to have some coach searches here in Columbus. The, the Vincent thing, I have no idea how that plays out. Go ahead, Reese. Quick. I was just going to say the best thing for both programs is the end. Yeah, that's kind of there's a yeah there's an inevitability to it for sure. Uh, just the way that it's trended, it sucks. Uh, absolutely does. All right. Um, NFL Championship Sunday did not suck in any way. The Lions game against the Niners had all of it. Dan Campbell uh, with one of the most honest, 
decent, solid responses to criticism I've ever heard. We'll have it for you coming up next. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. If you haven't thought about Buckeye football today, I'm sorry to tell you that you're dead. Our condolences. Your home of the Buckeyes. The Fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Our top men are working on everything except this show. This is Bishop and Friends. So Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. The the other part of this that's interesting is because of the um, the championship results, you could have a closure of the coaching carousel in the NFL because Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, Mike McDonald, all of those guys are in the mix for jobs. I am shocked that Munkin isn't in the mix for jobs. It's stunning to me. As I don't to me, like in Atlanta, that was the one uh, for him for sure. Based on uh, you know, assuming that they get fields or something to that end but all of those hires can now be filled so ben johnson could go he's rumored at washington uh seattle like mcdonald a lot so we could see some like complete closure of the nfl coaching circle in the the next couple of days because of what happened um over the weekend um all right this is the dan campbell conversation yeah he did everything everything that he's done in building the lions was honest to himself in in every possible way from go all the way back to the first year when they went three and 13, everything that everybody fell in love with him and hard knocks. Um, they, it's funny. He's, he's not viewed by most as like an analytics coach, but he goes for fourth down more than anybody. Um, and, and he was honest to himself on championship Sunday. Now you can still have fault with that because when you have accumulated leads points matter, uh, they do. and, Rothman uses that word humanalytics. There's a humanalytics to it. And I don't even know that Campbell's even necessarily about analytics when it comes to the fact that he goes for fourth all the time. I think it's more of an attitude thing. It's like fourth down, fine. We'll pick it up. We're good. We're going to pick it up. And it's part of the confidence that he has kind of pushed through that entire roster. Um, but the two in the, in the fourth quarter, um, in, in the second half of the game yesterday, one may have been in the third, one certainly in the fourth, that those two fourth downs where you go for it and you get nothing, it comes home to roost absolutely in that game. And any a field goal at any point could have stopped the bleeding for the Lions and gotten some momentum back on their on their side. And it's just so hard to continue to scale that mountain. Um, so the questioning was going to come. He knew it. I, I think what you're about to hear is about as honest and satisfactory response as you're ever going to hear. This was Dan Campbell yesterday uh, on the question of the decision to go for it on the fourth downs in the second half. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball. You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. I get that. But I don't regret those decisions. And that's hard because, you know, they didn't. we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out. But I just, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. But it just didn't work out. 
the list of NFL players who would sign up to play for that guy goes from here to all of them. Every one of them. They love him. I mean, he stands up like that and it gives you that. Like you can question it. And I know a million people will. That's all people that's going to happen today. All of us that do this job are going to question all of it, but you're not doing better than that. Like, would I have, would I have done those things? No, <laughs> no, I would have kicked field goals because then all of a sudden that drive from, uh, from Goff at the end is one that ties the game, uh, potentially one that would have won the game if they would have kicked both of them. Um, it was crazy because even the one right before half, it's like he had to get talked into. And I'm like, no, no, go up to three scores. <laughs> you, you no, 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 no. Just go up three scores. Like, don't, it's, it's not the same as going from like set, from going from like 10 to up 10 to up 13. Like this is, you now would go up three scores and it was almost like he was going to go for that one and, and was going to try to, to, to get another touchdown. He, he finally was like, almost like despite himself said, fine, kick the field goal. And they were up 17, but like you could tell he didn't want to. Yeah. I mean, the, I saw this stat this morning. They went for it on fourth down 34% of the time in the regular season this year. And like, I knew that he went for it on fourth down a lot. It's yeah. something that Dan Campbell really likes to do, but I did not know, man, it was that high that in the article, it says that's the most by any team this century. <laughs> like nobody goes <laughs> for it on fourth like that at that rate. But you have to, if you actually do want the benefit of the analytics, which is always the problem when we fall into the, the guy going for it on fourth, you get one of them and you score a touchdown and you probably win the game as well. But you're right. If you kick both field goals and you make both of them, you're there. Their kicker, though, Michael Badgley, has only kicked one field goal of 40 to 49 yards this whole season. He made so they it. Never, they never go for but it. They, they never ne- let it. They always go for it in those situations, <laughs> it would appear. Yeah, and so his career percentage is like something in the 70s, and their percentage on fourth downs that are like less than three yards is like 80-something this year. So they actually have a better yeah. chance of picking up the first down than technically making the field goal, which is a, another weird part to go for it. But after you go for the first one, you do have to go for the second one. That's where people flip it and they go, well, you, then you have to kick the field goal. And it's like, no, because you're not getting the benefit of the averages of the numbers. If you revert because you don't get one, you go, oh, well, now I, I can't go for another fourth down. No, you have to keep sticking with it. stay that's, with the mentality. Because that's how you get the benefit of picking up the ones that you pick. You know, it's a 50-50 shot, kind of. And you pick those ones up and then you get the benefit of it. But he gets neither, and that's why, you know, it's just one of those situations where if it works out, man, Dan Campbell's such a such a ballsy He's coach. Genius. We love him. Yeah. But instead, it, it goes the other way, and everybody's questioning it. And I think that it, he got there this season doing it this way, and it makes sense that he continued to do it in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it is an analytics thing, but I kind of read it more as a gut thing. You know, during the season – Complete gut move. Like we talk about the lack of field goals. You talk about their the percentage of going for it on fourth down in those areas was the highest in the league. Mm-hmm. And so that's what got them to this. And so that's what his gut's gonna tell him the first time. It's go, 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 go. Despite other people being like, hey, wait, maybe we should yeah. No, we're going. It was like absolutely what Dan Campbell would do, absolutely what John Dorsey would do, absolutely what Chris Spielman would do. It's yeah. like they would do exactly what their gut told football them guy. what's gotten them to this point, because they're football guys and you can't dissuade them otherwise. Yeah, And then that's them telling their team, we believe in you in this instance, so you're going to go get it. And then the second time it comes around, it's, no, 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 we didn't get it last time. It's fine. Forget about that. Or don't even, that didn't even happen. We're going. We're getting it this time. I'm going to have faith in you. And likely the players, that's a galvanizing thing. Now, they didn't execute properly on both instances, but that, to me, read that coach has tremendous faith in his players. And I hope that pays off for him down the line. And well, I, he kind of alluded to some of that. Uh, hold your point, Chops, just for a second. Um, that you could, 
You can tell it in his tone how devastating this one was. I mean, you're up 17. It's a brutal loss. Um, he, he spoke about the effort, but it just not quite being good enough. It's hard when you lose that way. It's hard. You know, you feel like you get your heart ripped out. So, But I'm proud of that group, and I'll go anywhere with that group. And uh, you wish you could keep it all together, but that's not the reality. So, you know, we did some really good things, but today we didn't do enough, and uh, and it's tough. But he's talking about the inevitability of the roster turnover that's going to happen because you, you can't keep these rosters together. And he knows that he he had this. He had it. They were up 17 at half. You're right. It evaporated in a millisecond in the second half. Um, but you're up 17 at half in an NFC championship game. Those are games you win. And the Niners down that had never, they don't win those games. They'd been down big twice this year. Both times they ended up losing. Like they are not a come from behind team and they came from behind quickly. And you could sense in listening to Campbell kind of the reality that that this, 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 this is such a hard mountain to scale. You know, it's funny. I was going to say one more thing on the fourth down stuff because I think it gets lost in all this discussion is that same mentality. Now, it's easier to justify it in the situation they were in. But either way, they were going to have to kick an onside kick after scoring that touchdown that made it a three-point game. And they went for it on fourth and goal to score that touchdown when they could have kicked the field goal and still had been in the situation where they have to go get an onside kick and score. Again, it makes more sense to go for it there. But just saying that like that one doesn't even get talked about as being successful. Because the other two stand out so much to people, but it, again, it just that's how he does it. He's going to go for it on those fourth and shorts. From the 49ers side of it, um, Kyle was has been on the other side of one of these, right? He was up twenty eight to three, lost a Super Bowl to the to the Patriots in spectacular fashion, um, and he did have a message to his team. They're down seventeen at half. Um, they were lucky to not be down twenty one. Here's Shanahan on that. It's only 17 points. Been a lot of football games where you're down 17 points or starting with the ball. There's plenty of time to come back, plenty of points to come back. But regardless of any of that stuff, we're not going out like this. We've got to be a lot more aggressive here in the second half. And they certainly were. Um, he also was asked about the Lions going for it on fourth down so often. Here's what Kyle had to say. That's how they've done it most of the year. And I think that's one of the reasons why they were here. So, like, you win a lot of games making some of those decisions. And then you make some decisions and you lose them. I mean, I don't think it always comes down to that. There's lots of plays that happen in the game. But, I mean, that's a decision that we all have to make. And it doesn't surprise me because he's made a lot of those decisions throughout the year that have won them a lot of games also. It's weird for a team to give up a 17-point lead. And then the discussion is that they were too aggressive. It's usually the inverse in football games that, oh, they they rested too much and kind of sat back on their heels a little bit. But this is... The Lions were too aggressive, and it's like if they had just settled for field goals, they probably would have won. Yeah, there. It's funny that it flipped so quickly in the second half that that is that I thought you mentioned it earlier, chops. Like they didn't die by a thousand cuts. It it was bludgeoning quickly, and then once it happened, it was to me at, at that point the other. Th- at that point, if you felt inevitable that San Francisco would win, mm-hmm. the other thing that I think that you can take from this, and, and not just the going for it on fourth down, I mean, they threw the kitchen sink at the 49ers offensively. I mean, they did everything. Double passes, jet sweeps with J-Mo. They, 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 were, they knew that point. They had to score a lot in order. They knew that San Francisco was going to score. They had to score a lot. They had to be aggressive. Quite honestly, you can talk about the fourth fourth down stuff, and, and most people will today, and we've talked about it as well, and I, I loved his answer on it, and I don't have a problem with it. If, if his guys catch passes that hit him in the hands, they win. I mean, that's the other part of it. I mean, how many drops 
Reynolds had a brutal drop. Jamison had a brutal drop when he got deep on one. That would have uh, been a touchdown. The defensive back had a brutal drop, right? He well, did. A drop off his face mask, I guess. Yeah. And then Ayuk just scoops it up, and that leads to a touchdown. And that was, yeah. And then they, they fumbled right after that whole mm-hmm. run of plays. So, and I think that was after the crazy Brandon Ayuk one was after that for, first fourth down we were talking about, the third down or the yes. third quarter one. So then that play happens. That's the other thing is it kind of compounds with what happens on the other side as well. But it's Dan Campbell is right to, you know, be kind of broken up because coaches say this and it's true in the NFL for sure that no team is ever the same the next year. There's mm-hmm. always going to be player movement, but. I will say that this was encouraging that this was not a the Lions just things fell right for them this year and the division was down and they were able to win it. No, the young core they have, especially on the offensive side of the ball, was on display yesterday. And this is going to be a team that's going to be in these kind of games for the next few years, at least. For sure. I I think the only question for them will be like they're going to have to give Goff some money. They got to re-sign him. So that'll there's going to be a cap issue there that they're going to have to deal with and they got to try to have a conversation with him um i mean it's amazing the amount of success jared goff has had in the league and as good a quarterback as he's become um he's like kind of a clutch Kirk cousins and i mean that as an incredible compliment i don't mean that as a negative at all like he's he's really good and he was really good yesterday he kept they kept in it talking about talking about how they're going to have to start giving out some money and figuring out who who they can keep and what it's going to be. It really does. It was perplexing at first when they traded Hawkinson to the Vikings and then just drafted another Iowa tight end, yeah. but essentially they were just like, I think we can get the same player and just keep this one on a they rookie did. deal. And it worked That's, out perfectly for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh that I think I don't think there's anything fluky about them. I think they're there for the long haul. I think he's there for the long haul. It, he strikes me as like he could be in Detroit the way Tomlin's been in Pittsburgh. Like I think it could be a 15 year gig uh, for him in Detroit. I, I think now they have a culture that is set. Um, I, I saw this from uh, McAfee yesterday. He said when they were up big at half, he said now there will be every every owner in the league will now try to do a culture switch like on the fly. And, and, and he goes, it, it, this is, this does not happen. You cannot do this. Like there are certain special people that can pull this type of thing off. And Dan Campbell is one of those people. This cannot be duplicated. And I think he's right. But people will try and they will, you know, we're going it, to, it's already started. We were seeing a run on like the former player just about coming up faster. Yeah. Antonio Pierce. Gerard Gerard Mayo. Mayo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like those so guys. This, this bringing the, the football thing. guy who's remember done the, this game. Remember when the NBA went through this like a decade ago? Jason Kidd got a job. Steve Nash got a job, and some of those guys are still in jobs. But it was just like right out of playing. They were like, put this guy as the head coach, and that's kind of I think the NFL. After we've gone through the McVay tree thing, Steve Nash. Now the thing is, former Brooklyn player Nets. come in here, be culture guy. Yeah, that's that's where you're at at this point. From. Uh, I, they were fun to watch all year. Both of these teams were uh, the Lions team. I, I don't. I really don't think that they're going anywhere. Uh, Ryan Day did uh, a little media availability up in Cleveland. We're going to share some of his thoughts um, on Bill O'Brien, on play calling, on Ross Bjork. Uh, we'll get into a lot of those things coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. We're the girthiest radio station in the history of radio. Uncomfortably girthy. This promo is uncomfortable. The fan, Ohio's girth destined. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
For the ones who get it done. Producers, co-hosts, friends, some of those things are true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And gear up with the Tipico Sportsbook and get in on the betting action, the playoff football, the hoops, the hockey, so much more. Take advantage of those massive odds boosts on your favorite teams and players for the biggest payouts. Try out that new Flex Parlay and cash in on your bets, even if you miss a leg or two. Claim your loose sign-up bonus now. Get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the promo code THEFAN100 to get a $100 bonus. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app today. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Ryan Day was on ESPN Cleveland last Friday, and the fellas up there took him through the rounds and, and asked a lot of the questions that we have not down here had answered yet. Uh, let's start with uh, with Ryan on the hiring of Bill O'Brien and the idea that he's going to be calling plays. You know, every year, again, you have to look and identify the things that, you know, you got to tweak, you got to change. And I felt like this was important for a lot of reasons. I felt like, you know, the, the landscape of college football, where it needs to be, where my focus needs to be. Uh, but I also feel like, uh, you know, Bill, Bill brings a tremendous amount of experience um, to the table and wouldn't have done it just with anybody. I felt like Bill's experience of being a head coach in the conference, being a head coach in the NFL, uh, being at Alabama for two years and the success they had there, and then Bryce Young fit very, very well with what we exactly we needed in the program at the time. Yeah, and, and this is a sea change for Ryan, right? I mean, this is he's always called plays. It's it's the reason he got the job to begin with, um, and so he will be giving that up. It will be his offense, but I'm sure that Bill will have a lot of input on on some of the things that he likes, and then they'll work with Will Howard to get it all on the on the same page for next season on a roster that's obviously loaded. Um, here's Coach Day uh, talking to the guys up on ESPN Cleveland about how Bill O'Brien allows for him to be a better head coach and the change that will come with that. Certainly, where uh, NIL is and, and, you know, having relationships with folks and helping in that area is going to be critical to, to make sure our guys have the resources they need, but also just the day-to-day um, of the team and the management of the team and defense and special teams, and, you know, in, in-game management. Just there's a lot of things in play that, you know, I look at and say, you know, if we're going to reach the goals we need to next year, these are some of the changes that I feel like going into this season we want to make. And the good thing about Bill is he's been great so far. You know, understands the success he's had on offense and, you know, how he can bring his experience to the table to make this the best offense in the country. It's cool to me that he used the word management a a lot in there because I was thinking that, like, this is giving Ryan Day more of an opportunity. We've talked about that, like, CEO role. But really the job of a manager is not to be good at, like, what you do on the job. The job is to make sure that you manage the people around you and so that your team or that your staff is properly situated to achieve the goals of the team or the business, whatever it is. So this is going to allow him to have that CEO manager role. And it is funny how it's like, it's kind of poetic. Like it rhymes. It's the old George Lucas thing because the last game they played against Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri, he had that whole comment leading into it that he took a step back and gave up play calling going into this year. And it really worked, obviously really worked out for Missouri. So if Ohio state already at the, you know, the top or near the top of college football, if they can see that kind of improvement, that Missouri saw year over year, then I'm pretty excited about it. And I think it's the right choice for Coach Day to say, okay, I'm going to take the step back and be the CEO and oversee it now. There's a lot of trust there, right? Yeah. That Day has for Bill O'Brien to be able to do what Ryan Day wants offensively, to do it in the moment, to be able to make the right decisions, the right uh, adjustments. 
And then during the week, you're not worried about that. You can also get back to developing quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. The guys behind Will Howard that will factor in for next year. I think the, um, this is what I, this was a job search of one. Like the guy Ryan Day wanted was Bill O'Brien. Like he was what he wanted it to be available. That's the guy that he wanted. He wanted all of the experience that comes with that. He wanted all of the leadership. Uh, you're, you're bringing in a guy who was not only did he, was he the head coach at Penn State and the head coach of the Texans, very successful in both spots, but at times he was the de facto general manager in Houston. So this is a guy who's got a lot of gravity when he walks into a room and a lot of respect when he walks into a room. And I think all of that stuff was stuff that Ryan was looking for. I think he needed, Oh gosh. I mean, it, it's kind of like the old, uh, like remember when the, when the, the Brown said this about, about Baker, like we need some adults in the room. Like that, that's kind of what I think this is. Like I, I need another, another big figurehead here who can help me because he's running in a thousand directions right now. A thousand. Yeah. I mean, would it have been sexier to go out and get a young hotshot who's on the cutting edge of where the offensive game is going? Yeah. That would, that would be the, the sexier pick, but. The, you already have that guy. Ryan Day is already, is, is already the guy who knows where the offensive game is going, and he's young, and he he has you know just that experience that he's also gaining up here, and he's bringing in Bill O'Brien, like you said, to yeah go in there and be a a, a calming voice to manage everything. And I think again, yeah, I just think it's going to work out. And you mentioning that it was a one of one search. That's like the whispers we heard is like, oh, he's going to want to go with an NFL guy who has play yeah. calling experience. So like everything we heard was what Bill O'Brien's resume is, and then. Bill Bill yes. O'Brien gets hired, and some people's initial reaction, even mine, like right initially, was like, "Oh, that seems kind of underwhelming." But really, the more I think about it and look into it, I think it is the right hire. I said to people, like, you do realize, like Nick Siciliano used to have this job. Like, what are we talking about? Like, this guy's been like, he's been really good at a lot of places. Like, he's a, he's absurdly qualified for the job. I mean, Bill O'Brien could have got a, got a head job coaching in a Power Five this year if he would have wanted one, based on what he's done already. So. Um, he absolutely could have done that. The, the one thing, the, the the other part of this, and there's there's two other parts of this offseason, not just the Bill O'Brien hire, but also Will Howard coming in at quarterback and then the overall offseason haul that they did in the portal, which now leaves them with the most talented roster in college football. Let's start with Coach Day. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to take umbrage with this, but here's Coach Day on the quarterbacks. Yeah, it's it's a, a room that uh, really um, creates competition. I think you'll see that with all the guys in a room and they're looking for a very competitive spring, and it's a great opportunity to start fresh with Coach O'Brien in terms of walking into that room. And um, we know what the expectation is, and I think the guys in that room know what the offense is, the, the surrounding cast, and and what's out in front of them. So uh, they've they've started well these first couple weeks, and uh, it's going to be a great competition, and it's going to be fun to watch this spring. So he didn't go quite far enough to say it's a quarterback competition take, for the starting job, but I it's can't close. Take full umbrage because I thought he was going to say like that. Will is in a quarterback. He's not in a quarterback. Will Howard's a starting quarterback at Ohio State. You brought him in here to do that. So uh, and, and he's just talking more of the competitive so. nature of camp and spring ball. Yeah. And, stuff, and I do yeah. think that will be a tremendous challenge when they brought in Julian Sane and added him to the class. It's just it's going to be a reps war trying to get guys snaps because you, there just aren't enough receivers to catch passes from five quarterbacks who are all you know have desires of at one point starting here um so that management is going to be dicey to say the least at least they're all here in the spring though because remember when quinn ewers came late you know he reclassified oh, he came lost. late he never really had a chance to get a handle of the offense or really no. practice at all because it was fall camp so 
spring does allow them to spread that out a little bit more. But remember, Will Howard, while being a very experienced guy, is coming in here and learning the offense himself now, too. He's not an incumbent for Ohio State, so he's going to need a lot of those reps, too. You're right, the the balancing act of that. And Hey, maybe they just, because of all the returning players, they have enough talent that they can just say, all right, one B, go over there with the other quarterbacks, and one yeah. A will be with Will Howard. Yeah, it's... That that will be a challenge. It, it's less of a challenge because whoever wins, it's going to throw to one of the most talented rosters, and I think the most talented roster in college football at their disposal, both offensively and defensively. Uh, the fellows up there asked Coach Day about the offseason portal hall. Here's what he had to say. Well, it's similar to last year in that you know, we've added, I think, six guys in the portal. You know, we haven't gone crazy there, but um, but you know when when Coach Saban uh, retired and mm. you know some of these guys were were available in the portal, it certainly provided an opportunity that we wanted to you know bring in the best players we could but also taking the culture into consideration okay though i'll take umbrage with that it is not in any way similar to last year not in any way it's the same amount of guys same amount of guys but the, <laughs> that's where the it quality stops. and then that's the end of it <laughs> thankfully the quality is entirely different as as you got dudes uh across the board uh in this we'll get austin's perspective on it coming up next bishop and friends right here on the fan the Chris Holdman Daily Show is brought to you locally on the fan by Credit Union of Ohio. This is the Chris Holdman Daily Show brought to you by Incova Insurance. 8358 Northwestern to the victory. Chris, this was one of those that seemed to be difficult when the opponent has six and double figures and they shoot the basketball the way they did. Yeah, no, give them credit. They give them credit. We, we certainly have to be better but give them credit they played really well really well coach when you have a, a young team like you have and and dealing with a, a loss like of this nature what what's the message to try to you know keep them positive and get them ready for the next ball game well as you guys know we got a quick turnaround against illinois so i think it's uh, it's going to be a test of who we are uh ron as a group right now to to be able to respond here and uh, as coaches we're gonna have to figure some things out here um and um you know obviously be much better uh, against uh, against Illinois so that's what's in front of us you're right it's uh, I think we've got to be able to uh, we've got to be able to find that uh, find that inside us right now and be able to respond better than what we what we did here tonight all right we'll have another comment in just a moment hi I'm Archie Griffin two-time Heisman Trophy winner the right coverage can be a game changer both on and off the field that's why Encova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you whether that's your home, car, business, or family, Encova's got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. Bottle home and business insurance, you want Encova on your team. Visit Encova.com today to find an agent near you. Encova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks! 83-58, the final Northwestern defeating Ohio State. Chris, we could see being next to you here at the bench that in the second half, even with the score was what it is, important for guys just to continue to play through the plan and, and go through what was being passed along to them. Yeah, no, I think I thought uh, I thought for the most part, you know, we had some we had some different lineups in there, but for the most part, um, you know, we were able to do that. I think just in general. Um, 
you know, we just we weren't able to get a, nearly enough stops, and we tried about every ball screen coverage possible. So um, we've got to play with more fight and more force on that end for sure, and we've got to help them as coaches. Chris, was this a situation where, especially with the way your team got to the free throw line, where maybe that's a possible area to try and chip away at this thing with scoring with the clock stop? Yeah, it was something we need to do better for sure, and uh, I think we did do that better tonight. If there's a positive to take from this, and there aren't many, that's certainly one of them is being able to get to the free throw line a little bit more. I thought Roddy did uh, got to the line more, which was good as as well as Bruce. It's the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more. And the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. He knows everything about the Buckeyes. He's been offered tens of dollars by a certain team to spill his secrets. He's told that certain team to go to hell. Damn you all to hell! He's Austin Ward. Sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. More life, more energy. And he joins on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Good talking to you again, buddy. Um, I was. How do you think as as bill o'brien's been in the building now for a little while um mm-hmm. how how is ryan day and obviously and i'm sure you feel the same way i do on this like this was a job search of one like he really wanted bill o'brien he it was every box check that that ryan wanted um as ryan starts to transition into this new overseer of all of this what will those steps look like and and how Closely, will he, he and Bill kind of work together with all of that to, to find what this what this Buckeye offense is going to look like next season? Yeah, it, it's a great question. It's a key question because you have a little bit of time here, you know, six seven weeks to think about what how much one person has to learn from the other, how much they have to collaborate, how much of each playbook, uh, you know, what the roster looks like, what what you want to emphasize. You know, you've you've certainly seen what. Bill O'Brien's done throughout his career, whether that's with tight ends or, or uh, you know, quarterback development, what have you. I do think that some element of how this fits together has already come up because, you know, you when you look at the hire itself and you say uh, a search of one, that wasn't really the case. I mean, Ryan Day looked at a number of guys and he and Bill O'Brien checked the most boxes and ha- and had the most, I don't know. Uh, collaborative vision, I think, with Ryan Day compared with yeah. some, you know, and not everyone was going to be available. But I, I think that the way that this played out, I remember 
a lot of Mondays coming on on here and talking with you uh, in December about hey make these moves now like it's it's urgent like start planning for the future and and Ryan Day took his time and and interviewed people and got a lot of feedback about what direction they should go and and who would work together and and I think maybe more than anything if you look at the the various places that Bill O'Brien has worked and I asked somebody this like well what's his system well what what what's your personnel like that's the answer and he's going yeah. to uh, suit what he does based on what Ohio State has to offer, which really is pretty much everything, which might be the biggest challenge of all going into March is trying to narrow that down so that these two can decide on what that vision looks like. Is it your understanding that this will be, and typically this is the way this thing, this type of thing goes, that this will be the Ryan Day offense with sprinkles of Bill O'Brien in it? Well, I think that yes and no, Bo. I mean, I think that it has to have Ryan Day hallmarks in it and trademarks of what he's done throughout his career because he's one of the best offensive minds in the sport. Bill O'Brien is on that short list as well. Um, So you're certainly going to look, I think we'd all like to see more mesh concepts returning to the passing attack, right? Like just just to nitpick a little bit of things. And and maybe there's some element where it's Bill O'Brien's job to, break Ryan Day in some respects out a little bit of a, a, a play-calling rut. And, and I, I know that that is exaggerating the issue, like probably to an unfair degree, but Ryan Day needs to be able to, to think not just about big-picture ideas of running the program, but also within games. I don't think that he – and this came up with Eli Drinkowitz in talking about his role before the Cotton Bowl, and Ryan Day is just kind of sitting there staring at the ceiling like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of what I had talked about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like managing the team as itself, if he doesn't have to think about every play call and, and maybe Bill O'Brien can be removed from that and, and sitting up in the booth and like, Hey, this is what we talked about. This is what we're going to execute. We're not going to fall into a routine of, of stretching the boundary or whatever. I mean, I, again, I'm, yeah. I'm exaggerating the issue, but I, I think that that had been on the, on the table for a while for Ryan day and, and someone with the gravitas and experience of Bill O'Brien can help him get there. But that doesn't mean that Bill O'Brien is coming in and running his own offense entirely there that's not going to be the case no and i i mean i don't think you are exaggerating it's you is probably a little it was a couple months ago when we came on and we had the stats about the just the refusal to throw it in the middle of the field they just didn't right it just didn't happen so it'd be nice if that's discovered again and they can't they throw (laughs) the ball in the middle of the field because there there tends to be a lot of a lot of green space out there uh the other thing that i think this is a, a is is going to play in huge is is what has happened with with Julian saying add into this mix. You have five mm-hmm. guys and and I'm I understand that there's going to be quote a competition. Will Howard's a starting quarterback, so then it's it's four guys who are fighting for reps and spots and all of it. What sense do you have of how that will play out in the spring? And I'm not talking about a pecking order. I'm talking about just rep management. Um, how do they handle those guys this spring? I'm not sure that they've figured out how to do that yet, Bo. I mean, it's yeah. uh, what what I hope that they don't do, and and we'll see. Maybe they maybe they learned from this and they didn't feel like it was as successful as they wanted. A lot of that stuff that we saw in August of last year was like, well, we're going to cut this up in two. We're going to go two fields and mm-hmm. mix up the ones and twos and and make sure that everybody can get a little bit of this and a little bit of that so that they get the maximum amount of reps possible. And I think that that is a noble goal, but sure. I I think it came at the expense of some of the things like. You know, when we were out there at the start of the month, like, and then Mahalski was working with one group that looked like it was the ones at right tackle. Well, he was never really uh, an option to start for Ohio State. I think it helped 
it, they were, it helped them get more reps and it hurt them in terms of continuity and building what your pecking order and depth chart looks like. That's part of sports. Like I, I don't, I think that if you're going to be honest in your evaluations and telling these guys where they are, if you're taking a rep with the three, make the most of that rep with the three and try yeah. and move up and, and go to the number two. And I, I think if you're, especially in this situation where all let's set Will Howard aside, perhaps if all of them need to know where they stand to make the most informed decision, if you're number two and not just like AM two or a three, that may make the difference between losing both guys and building around a depth chart that you can sustain past 2024. So uh, sometimes I think maybe we make too much of that, but it is important to these quarterbacks because you have to have some plan beyond 2024 and they are going, they they need to have a picture in May of what that looks like for them because that, that impacts their career and it impacts Ohio state's plan, obviously. And the fact that they can do that after spring, I think requires you to have a clear picture of how that looks. I, I couldn't agree. With you. I, look, this is where the sport is. Uh, we we're you're doing, we're all swimming in it at the moment, doing yeah. the best you can yeah. to keep your head above water. But I think the key to this whole thing is you need to be transparent. You need to be honest. Because otherwise, right. that's when feelings get hurt. And and by the way, buddy, you and I both know that's how the word gets out that you did somebody wrong. So as long as you're honest with somebody and you're honest about the pecking order and you give it a fair shot, I, I think most of these kids have to understand that if if you want the positives of free transfer and NIL and all of those things, the negatives of it are you're going to be in intense position battles and our loyalty is for the team that we put out on the field in 2024 and nothing more. Yeah, and and the players know that. I they mean, have to. nobody knows that. Nobody knows that better than them. Like they, they know. They can see talent. They can see guys understanding it. They know who's coming, who's rising, who's who's the answer for them. You know, that's you can't you can't lie to them. You can't lie to the locker room. That's what they always say. Like those guys have the best feel for that. And in this day and age, if you're not telling the truth about where guys stand to keep people involved, well, that that'll have a negative impact on your program in the long run as well. And, and I'm not saying that, like, accusing Ohio State of having done that in the past. That's not, no. that's not my point at all. I'm saying it can't do it that way in March and April because the stakes are so incredibly high at this position, and, and that makes it tough. I understand that. It's difficult. It's delicate. But that's the, that's the game that you're playing and the risk you run if you're going to bring in five guys who are all either the number one, you know, target for you in the portal or four and five star recruits. That's yeah. if you're going to have five of them, you know, that's going to be difficult, but you're doing that because you would much rather cast the net with that amount of talent than bank on past evaluation that they're going to pay off no matter what. There's no, there's no doubt. I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, what is your sense on finishing up this coaching staff? Gosh, it was about a week ago that, I expected there would be an announcement about James Laurinaitis being promoted. I don't yeah. know of anything that has changed since then, that he would take the final um, full-time spot. Uh, for a long time, I, I my understanding was that the goal was to work on the Larry Johnson transition plan and potentially bring in two defensive line coaches for this year. I'm not sure if – and, and as I mentioned uh, on this show before – Jason Taylor was the primary and clear top target to do that. I don't know if that's in the cards uh, this offseason, and if it's not, I don't think that Ohio State would just say, well, that's too bad. We'll just definitely do this two-defensive line play and find somebody else. Like It is going to be really 
Like that is, those are huge shoes to fill when Larry Johnson uh, eventually does retire. So you don't want to force that if you don't have somebody that you think really fits and you have, uh, you know, somebody waiting in the wings in, in James who wants to be on the road. Uh, you don't think, I don't think he ever forced them to. And like, I've got to be full time now, despite the fact that there are other programs at both the college and NFL level waiting to try and hire him uh, mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity. Uh, so if that's, if those are the two options and you have one that, Maybe you can't execute that plan right now, and I don't know that for sure, uh, but it doesn't seem like it. Your other option is still pretty appealing by keeping one of the best linebackers in school history on the staff uh, and giving him more power on the recruiting trail and eliminating the possibility of teams negatively recruiting against him by saying, hey, right. he's only a GA. There's, you laid it out quite well. Uh, good stuff, <laughs> bud. Appreciate you. All right. See you, Bill. All right, that's Austin Ward right here at the fan, dotting the eyes on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Thing or not a thing up next, Bishop and Friends right here on the fan. The sound of Paul Keels calling a Buckeye game is erotic. Oh, yes. Your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends. I turn a little thing or not a thing. Hit it, fellas. Things or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. This from John Rothstein. The Big Ten is planning to stay at 20 league games when the league expands to 18 teams and adds UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington during the 2024-25 season. Multiple sources told College Hoops today an official announcement is expected soon. Likely the schedule would be seven home only, seven away only, and three home and home. That makes sure you play everybody in the league every year. The conference is also planning to have only 15 teams participate in the Big Ten tournament starting in 2024-25. College Hoops today previously reported that momentum was growing to have to only have 14 or 15 teams in the Big Ten tournament when the league adds UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Thing or not a thing? Well, you need how many? That's the minimum requirement you need, or the probably, yeah, the minimum requirement you need for television so that you have... You know, so you have a Wednesday slot, a Thursday slot, a Friday slot, a Saturday slot. Like, you need to have all of that television inventory. So 14 or 15, whatever it's going to be, that's the minimum. Like, they'll probably play the 14, you know, the 14 versus 15 team plays on a Wednesday, right? And And so then they play, play, they jump into the bracket. So there's like almost like two play-in games because they need the inventory on that. I think it's shameful that they're staying at 20. You got 18 teams, man. Be bold. We talk about it in football. Same with basketball. If you're going to play upwards of of 40 games, play 24 league games. Three home and homes is too few. They're fun to play a team both times on like either side of the season. I agree. It's it's a big thing. I think coaches in the league would be terrified to have to go to 22 games, 22 league games. They're worried about the wrong stuff. What we got to play Central Michigan and right. you gotta play nonsense. <laughs> Elon every year instead. This is a valid point that they bring up every year, and by they I mean Big Ten coaches. How difficult and tough and physical and bruising the league <laughs> yeah. is. But it, there is there should be should have been a point where you say, okay, 
and then just done this, moving more conference games into the schedule. But I also like the idea that not everybody gets invited to the Big Ten tournament because not everybody needs to be in the Big Ten tournament. I I would like any of these coaches in the Big Ten who complain about how tough the Big Ten is to just paratroop into the Big 12 for a couple weeks. Go play that. Go play a basketball team. Just play some basketball games. Play, Play some of those teams for a while. See how that goes. According to NFL research, the Baltimore Ravens are 0-23 when trailing by 10 or more points at the half since 2013. That was the year after they won the Super Bowl. Every other team in the NFL has at least one comeback win after trailing by double digits at half in that span. Thing or not a thing? I mean, it's obviously an enormous thing. It's as big a thing as can be because they are... They are a Styles for Fights team. So when we were talking about the, and we'll fully recap it here in the 11 o'clock hour of the Chiefs Ravens game, but like we were talking about it earlier in the show, when they got down 14 nothing, you said that's it. It's done. They, they can't scale that mountain because they, they aren't dynamic enough in the passing game to be able to do it. And and that was it. So, no, it's, it's, it is the criticism of them. They are really difficult to come back on. If they get a lead, they can salt it out and they can they can handle their business. And I do think they're heading in the right direction on this. Like I don't I don't think they're like in some football purgatory where they're never going to be able to do it. But at the same time, like this is who they are. It's crazy. Owen twenty three trailing by ten plus points at halftime since twenty thirteen. That covers obviously yeah. all of Lamar's career there. And it's not like they haven't been good offensively. You know, it's changed a little bit this year, bringing in Todd Munkin, and it, in a lot of ways was better this season. But it, you would just think that Lamar Jackson would be able to will a team to a comeback victory like that at some point in his career with all the things he can do on the football field. So to not have that is interesting. And then it's you know on top of. This is a much more telling stat than that preseason win streak that they had that everybody was enamored with this year that yeah. finally that finally fell. But like this is yeah, I mean it's it's concerning that you that every other NFL team has been able to have a comeback of this nature and you guys haven't. So at least it's something that from their standpoint they can say, Well, how do we fix it? Like how do we yeah. get to this point where we can have a comeback and hopefully they get to that and add at least a one into that that W column. Adam Rittenberg, he had this first. Iowa's expected to hire Tim Lester, the former Western Michigan coach, as offensive coordinator. Lester spent the 2023 season as a Green Bay Packers analyst and was set to take the OC job at Troy. Iowa also strongly considered former Duke OC Kevin Johns. And then I think Roger Sherman, he used to work for the ringer, he had this quote tweet, sums it up nicely. Kirk Ferentz took three months to hire an offensive coordinator and settled on the guy who got fired after finishing 127th out of 131 teams in offensive SMP Plus in 2022. Impossibly funny. You couldn't make it up. And tweet, thing or not a thing. That's a hell of a reveal on the back end of that. Yes. So as you're starting, I'm going, okay, great. There's got to be some great offensive mind from the Mac that's been dominant. No. No. Not. Not the case. It's to me. Yeah, I mean, this Kurt is the Ferris floor is yours. His, like this is your. This is the, your the love of your life. Like I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand that. He went out there, and I think God is yes, man. Somebody's going to come in and run the Kirk Ferentz offense, which is to say, no offense. They don't even seem very interested in doing it. And that's what I was worried about the entire time so, with this because it's not that. It's not it that like I'd rather Brian have Brian Ferentz still. I just yeah, it's, it's a but Kirk it problem. It, it might not have been a Brian Ferentz problem. And it's a shame because he'll never get an offense coordinator job ever no. again. Because of God, it, that's crazy. But yeah, just to go from a guy who is the you know worst offensive output to a guy who just a couple of years ago was one of the worst offensive outputs. So maybe a little bit like improvement there. A but. perennial top twenty program, and like this is okay. 
It's yeah. wild. And, it, and how long it took, too. The fact that yeah. it took three months to then settle on this guy who was just an analyst for the Packers. It's not like... They had to, you know, fight, and this he was taking no. other other interviews. Well, he he was taking other interviews. He was set to. So you stole him from Troy. You should feel bad about that. <laughs> but he comes from the NFL. <laughs> yeah, got a it's, nice one year car wash there. Absolute smokescreen being thrown on that. <laughs> this is a funny thing. Uh, just uh, there is one of he is one of one Kirk Ferentz yeah. that can get away. Uh, with something as egregious as this. On Friday, Joe Flacco was named a finalist for the AP's Comeback Player of the Year Award. The other finalists were Damar Hamlin, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, and Tua Tungavailoa. Flacco was on CBS Sports Radio and spoke about the honor. I don't necessarily know what I'm coming back from. (laughs) I would say most of the guys on that list. I'm not sure what we're coming back from, so that's probably my initial reaction. But I think any time that you're, you know, getting recognized in this league for you know playing well i guess uh you know it it can be flattering so it's a cool group to be a part of that's for sure um but yeah that's my initial thought is i'm I'm not necessarily i'm just coming back from you know what being old and you know not not being on a team for a couple months so who knows Flacco then threw his weight behind uh damar hamlin winning the actual award well yeah (laughs) then you're not a thing i was gonna say like one guy came back from dead So that seems to be like the ultimate. The fact that he's played football, he is unlike the others. So if he's going to be in it, that's the answer regardless of, of what happened on the field. It is funny, though. He pointed out something that I'd never really thought about. If you're not coming back from an injury, it is sort of a backhanded compliment to win comeback player of the year. It's like, you were bad, Baker. and now and now you were, were good again. But this reminds me of something. Uh, PFT Commenter had this a couple weeks ago. They were talking about it on part of my take, uh, and I saw the clip. They were saying it's putting a really interesting question in the comeback player of the year conversation because what's harder, coming back from the dead or leading the Cleveland Browns to the the playoffs? <laughs> Which okay, yeah, <laughs> that is that is pretty solid. Final hour on a Monday up next. We start it with the weekend blitz. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. Love crew soccer. Us too. Let's get married and catch every game together. Proud to be your local home for the black and gold. The fan, Ohio sports destiny. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The best hair on the air. You are listening to Bishop and Friends. Sam Monson, PFF, coming up at the bottom of the hour. Between now and then, we'll get into the Chiefs and the Ravens here shortly at 1120. Right now, we blitz the weekend. Bishop and Friends present a weekend sports blitz. I believe I had that. What'd you have this weekend, Reese? Uh, Northwestern. I didn't bother to watch. Yeah. I saw the second half at Nebraska and I was like, this is this is gonna be a minute before giving you a game you actually want to invest in because it's gonna be ugly tomorrow night against Illinois. Mine centers around that as well, but uh I decided that I wasn't I decided in the middle of the week that it probably wasn't worth my time to watch then because it was restaurant week down in Dayton as well. 
it, we had a later reservation. It was like a 7.30 or something reservation. And I was like, I'm just going to enjoy my brother's birthday dinner and not even worry about the Buckeye basketball team. I'll catch up on it after the dinner. Well, I did catch up on it after the dinner, and I'm glad that I didn't see any of it because I had that it was not going to be a, f- a fun one to watch for Ohio State. They Something's wrong with them. They can't win on the road. The last time they went on the road was beating Northwestern last year. It's been over a year since then, and that just seems to be the – the streak that they're going to go on. And so now it's four or five that they've lost in this month in, in the big 10. And it feels like they're getting dangerously close to that 14 of 15 that they went through last year. And you hope it doesn't get that bad, yeah. but I just don't have a ton of confidence that it's not. What was the, where'd you eat? What was the restaurant? It's called Jay's. It's a seafood place in Dayton. All right, very good. I got uh, Greek style swordfish. Had some feta cheese on top of it and stuff. It was very good on a, on a little thing of uh, spinach. This is your brother's choice. I don't know if it was, it was my, his birthday. Well, it was, it was. I don't know if he picked it. I think my parents picked it because it was all, my mom's birthday's in two weeks. Our anniversary was this week, so it was kind of a combined birthday. But his birthday was you. actually just yesterday, so it was more his birthday dinner than anything. All right. Um, I, I had I got at both the championship games. They they went the way that I thought that they would uh, with with Kansas City winning and covering. Obviously, they were underdogs, and I never am going to ever bet against Mahomes again ever. I've learned my lesson. I'm done with that. Um, so that went the way that that I thought it would. And then the uh, the Forty ers winning, but the Lions keeping it close. Now there was the moment where it almost went the other way because the way that Dan Campbell played the second half, but he did get. The touchdown on the fourth down in the last minute that got him to cover City, and so um, while the the script in the night in, in both games were probably not the way that I saw it, I probably didn't see Chiefs and Ravens being a seventeen ten game, and I didn't see the other one being twenty four to seven, and then thirty one to and all of the thing or twenty four, I guess all of those things thirty four twenty four, all the things that happened in the games, the results are as I expected them to be with these two teams playing for the Super Bowl. Uh, didn't have it. What didn't you have, Reese? BYU telling students to remove shirts that said horns down on them. The oh fact that God. an opponent in the Big 12 is acquiescing to these Charmin soft losers. Like, the Cougars won that game 84-72, to and BYU's ranked 21 in the country. And at the first media timeout, there were students in the front row of the student section that had horns down, H-O-R-N-S-D-O-W-N. There's nothing wrong with that. But the it's fact that B- BYU yeah. asked their students to take them That's off. It's a joke. It's a joke. I don't know how Texas what has is this? infiltrated doing people this? in the conference to care about this. Like, it, and if anything, it should just make people want to do yes. it more. And it is making people want to do it more. You should hand out t-shirts that say horns down if you're how a Big soft? 12 school. Is how tech- soft are you? Is Texas like, going to put enough on. pressure that BYU is going to have to add no horns down by any student into their like honor code? Doesn't so you, matter. They, this they point, can't have hot but... drinks and you can't have horns down shirts. Jeez, it's awful. Um, I didn't have another NBA player going for 70. So when I woke up Saturday morning and saw that Luca <laughs> had dropped 73, and I'm like, wait, two 70-point games in the same week? And it was he needed all of them. Well, just a 148 to 143 win over the Hawks for the Mavs in that one. And then later reading about it, only 15 70-point games in NBA history and mm-hmm. two of them in the last week. Well, it happened last year, too, didn't it? Because wasn't Lillard and Donovan Mitchell both get 70? Yeah. yeah. Booker has a 70 order. from a few years ago, too, Booker's right? Booker's got a 70. And the other, like, Booker had 62 over the week last weekend, and, or last week, and Towns was in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, these do tend to come in bunches a little bit when it happens. Um, I did not I did not have what happened to Beamsy's fourth grade team months. It was crazy what happened. So, we, 
the the foul the final foul tote was uh, us fouls committed twenty four opposition fouls committed ten. Okay, so that's a pretty big discrepancy. At one point, I even went to the official. I said, I just want you to look at what's happening here. Uh, Beamsy fouled out with five minutes and 46 seconds left. He's never fouled out in his life. Uh, my other lead guard had four fouls in the game. The officials gave the opposition back-to-back jump balls in under two minutes. And their excuse for it was, is the guy running the clock didn't switch it? I'm like, well, that's your job. Now this is it? This is what we're doing? But it's even worse than that. So tie game. 10, 30 seconds left. I call a timeout. My last timeout of the game. Uh, we're going to shoot it with about seven seconds. We're going to go, and we get. They're pressing, and we 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 uh, we get the ball inbounded. My guard is at at probably about eight feet from the midcourt line, going downhill towards the other rim, and the referee calls ten second violation, and they stop it, and the clock read twenty two. So he called a 10-second violation in eight seconds. And I pointed at the clock. He goes, Coach, that was a 12-second violation. Not according to the clock. You, I mean, you you can't have it both ways. All of that to say, and then we lost at the buzzer. We so, lost the shot at the buzzer. So, so the ref was counting on his outrageous. own counting, you know, where they oh do my the hand God. instead of what the actual time That's says. Right. So, it, okay, the scores table doesn't change the possession. And that one, eh, nothing we can do about it. Scores table runs the clock correctly. Ah, but that's that not one, that's not correct. <laughs> situational choosing of when we're going to pay it. It was crazy. It was you, you, it, everyone's doing the best they can, but it was nuts. Uh, it was absolutely nuts. I felt bad. The kids were the ones who ended up losing in it. Uh, player who impressed the most this weekend, Reese. Who do you got? Pretty sure again, because well, we'll do the NFL tomorrow. It's Luca, yeah. and nobody's really close. I mean, he scored four or six or forty of them in the first half. I would also say he probably doesn't need to get his ass on a treadmill like that fan in the Devin Booker jersey told him the other day. I think he's doing okay. Looks like he's figured out this basketball thing. Player impressed the most. Travis Kelsey, this whole postseason especially, and you know, because it was like the thought of like, yeah, is he slowing down a little bit? He is getting old. He's in his mid-30s. But no, in the playoffs, he's been spot on. He had that TD, like almost like a shoestring catch falling backwards into the end zone. Great throw. Great catch. Later in the game, he breaks the reception record for NFL postseason history. Anytime you pass Jerry Rice on a list, you're you're doing something right. And then the NFL gets what they want. Taylor Swift is finally at the Super Bowl. <laughs> it all works out. Yeah, it, it kind of checked every box. Um, more of a specifics on, on some of the NFL stuff tomorrow when we blitz the NFL. But I, I did want to bring up Jamison Williams because this is what they drafted him to be. And yes, it would have been nice. That was a tough one, the, the, the drop in the end zone. It, that was a tough one. It, it almost felt like the, the defender's arm kind of grazed his as the ball was coming down, which, which caused him not to be able to get his hands on it. Um, but his... Ability is something that they had didn't really get a chance to use this year in terms of his speed and take the top off and all of those things. And he was really good uh, in the game yesterday when they needed him to be. And I, I think it, I think it points to what could be a very fun Lions team and a very sustainable run. Uh, player who disappointed Reese. So this wasn't a player. Uh, this is an executive of a wrestling company, Triple H. Um, last week, if you haven't heard about the Vince McMahon oh, lawsuit, the newest sexual assault lawsuit filed against Vince McMahon. This one includes sexual trafficking. Um, This has been a problem with him for them for decades. Mm -hmm. And he was finally dismissed as uh, a board member of the WWE. And Triple H, I thought at the end of the Royal Rumble on Sunday, which is their second biggest event of the year, had a really good chance to step out in front of this and say exactly what they're doing to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. To prove or to at least 
say to everybody, because there were a lot of eyeballs on this for that reason. Like, nobody's interested in his thoughts on who won the Royal Rumble or their championship. His father-in-law had another sexual assault lawsuit come against him, and he was asked just point blank um, a question that he should have been asked and he should have been prepared for. Did you read the lawsuit that came out this week? And if you did, what was your reaction to it? I did not. I did not. Um, I think Cody mentioned it, that we all found out real time when you were. Um, And that's the truth. Um, I'll I'll go back to what I said before. this, This is an amazing week for us, and I just... At this point, I don't even want to get bogged down in the negatives of it. I just want to focus on the positives and where we're going. And we're at the most exciting time of the year for us. We're at the most exciting point to me, business-wise, I think, that we've ever had. Oofta. It's PR lesson for you out there on how to not handle things like that. Has it McMahon stepped down from CEO twice in two years? Yes, and they voted to bring him back last year. This is the first time that no McMahon is in that is is involved in the company at all. Like Steph's not in it, so nobody's in it. Um, I, I do love it when anybody in a crisis says, "I just want to focus on the positives." Look, dude, we all do, but there's responsibility. And actually, you should be focusing on the yeah. negatives because you got to figure this out. His father-in-law <laughs> and the guy Triple H isn't in that position without Vince McMahon being his father-in-law. And that's why he said what he said because guess who still controls the purse strings of the operation? Yeah, not the WWE, but in terms of personal wealth accumulation. Setting the table before I get to who disappointed me the most during the game because we're, we're talking about the Super Bowl coming up, obviously. And Jayla asked me, she's like, "Are there big halftime shows for the for the AFC and NFC Championship?" And I was like, ah, there will be if they ever bring them to neutral sites that they're talking about. But it's probably just too hard logistically because you don't know where the game's going to be. You don't know what the weather's going to be. It could be in Baltimore. It could be in Kansas City. It could be in Buffalo. That would be really hard to set up. But then it comes back, and I was looking on Twitter. Apparently, T-Pain performed at halftime of the Ravens and Chiefs game. And I was like, I would have loved to see that. So my most disappointing is CBS for not just showing T-Pain. God tried to give you a sign by turning the lights out on their little <laughs> desk during the halftime show. So just put T-Pain on. I would have loved to see a little T-Pain. Instead, they just watch guys in suits say the same old stuff back and forth. That's true, yeah. Uh, most disappointed for me, my guy Bill Maher. I, I love his show on HBO on Friday night. It's something that I look forward to every week. He's one of the few people that will have people from both sides. He's had DeSantis and Newsom on in the last couple of months. He had Stephen A. on. Usually his panel's made up of one left, one right, and the, the arguments are to be heard on both sides. It's, it's kind of the, one of the last places where that's done. He had Stephen A. on on Friday, and it was one of the damnedest things. He went on this rant about DeMar Hamlin and how football players should have played after he was taken off the field. And it was clear that he had no point of reference of the fact that DeMar Hamlin died on the field and they witnessed it. And that when he left the field, there was still thought that he was going to die. He had no point of reference. He's like, football players are tough. They should just play anyway. And I'm like, man, you were, it's like he didn't do the research, that, that, that which is something he always does. Yeah. No, no, no. Bill oh, Maher did Bill? it. Okay. And Stephen A. kept trying to stop him. And Bill just kept, he actually at one point said, well, no, let me finish to Stephen A. And I'm like, well, Boy, you're wrong on all of this. And normally he's so well-versed in everything, but he was lost uh, on that one. It's like sure. he picked a point and just kept yes. going with it regardless any, of what like, the actual d- details were. And also without the research of like, yeah. oh, I have this really wrong. Bud Kilmer, honorary coach of the week, Reese. J.B. Bickerstaff of the Cavaliers. So Evan Mobley's back at Cavs shoot-around today, but they're 9-1 and one in their last 10. Um, I don't know if Jared Allen did enough to earn all-star nod, but... 
Donovan Mitchell certainly did. Maybe not a starter, um, but that team's playing really well despite not having Darius Garland and Evan Mobley for a long stretch. But that could be some help on the horizon for them, and they're fifth in the East right now. I I quote the great Harry Dunn. Just when I think you couldn't be any stupider, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. Let's hear it for Kirk Ferentz. He did it. Your boy. He has taken over the University of Iowa. He does whatever he wants. He's never going to get fired. And he hired Tim Lester. You don't know who Tim Lester is? Well, he coached the fourth worst offense at Western Michigan a few years ago. And now he's going to coach the Iowa offense. Good job, Kirk. Fantastic job. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Collins here. He was hired there to get them to a tournament. That's a tough job. They have overseen, and now they've got an incredible home court with with what they've done to the field house over there. And and now he's they're going to make the tournament again this year. Like he's made Northwestern a very respectable basketball program, and that's something I don't know that anybody thought was something that was possible at that place because it's been one of the worst jobs in in all of the sport. Uh, the Chiefs and Ravens game was another classic. It didn't look the way I think a lot of us thought it did, but it delivered in every way. We'll get to the breakdown coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. If you miss a live show, you can catch the podcast. If you miss the podcast, our hosts have volunteered to have dinner with you. the meatloaf! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bo knows many people. He talks to the interesting ones on this show. This is Bishop and Friends. And gear up with the Tipico Sportsbook and get in on the betting action with the play on football, the hoops, and so much more, even the hockey. Take advantage of the massive odds boosts on all of your favorite teams and players for the biggest payouts. Try out their new Flex Parlay system. Cash in now on your bets, even if you miss a leg or two of those. Claim you lose sign-up bonus now. Get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the promo code THEFAN100 to get a $100 bonus. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app today. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Um, this one, I guess I'll ask both of you guys. Reese, did you, did you think that Baltimore had a chance once they were down 14-0? No. Chops? I there was a lot of times in the second half where I was like, okay, they, we've got a game if they can score here. I but, thought that at several yeah. times too, but at no point when they were down, uh, yeah, the, those two scores, I was like, this game's over. Now Baltimore could make it fun, sure, but they weren't winning. Yeah, but it, it, the feeling that did go away because the game, and now like Reese said earlier in the show, it ended up being super entertaining football because it was good ball. You could tell, you mm-hmm. know, you know when you can see it. Um, but I thought, oh, are we in shootout territory when KC scored on their first possession and then the Ravens answered? And then, no, it really slowed down after yeah. that defensively. Yeah, it did. I, the, um, the inevitability of the Chiefs was, was just something. And, and the way that they started the game, it just felt like this is the way this thing is going to go. And they, they handled their business. Um, Andy Reid back in a Super Bowl, another AFC title for him. Obviously, their goal every year is to win the Super Bowl. Here's Andy Reid on that. Uh, one thing, Valle, it's tough to back-to-back-to-back seasons. That's a tough thing. you played a lot of football games, and you've got to work through that. you got to work through that mentally. 
That's not an easy thing. I'm so happy for the guys and how they how they handled that. When it came time to put the hammer down, they put the hammer down, which was which was important. And the best part is we're not done. We we've got another game, and you love these seasons to carry on as long as they can possibly carry on, and and we're there. And now we we've got to get right back at it. He's, he, he's just football guy in every way. Like he just wants to coach as many games as he can and keep going and going and going. And now he's got this ultimate toy in Mahomes, and it's. He's going to go till he can't. It's crazy how, like, you know, and it was. It was a great career accolade, how impressive it was that Andy Reid brought the the Eagles to four straight NFC championships. And, you know, that broke or, you know, put him in some sort of record book and stuff. And now he's just six straight years with the yeah. Chiefs. Like, yeah, he guy knows Paul, and you can see it in their offensive stuff. Did you see the one play where it was technically a backwards pass to Kelsey? And I don't know if Kelsey was just trying to fake out the safety, but it was like, an, it was like a run pass option for Kelsey. At yeah. that point, he pump faked it, and I was like, maybe the guy was open, he actually would have thrown it, but instead just goes forward, and he picked up like four yards and got a first down, but it's just that kind of stuff that stands out in those games, and then we'll have both of those teams, because the 49ers are another team that have things that stand out offensively, so that's a nice Super Bowl matchup. I was trying to think of the exact moment I knew it was over for Baltimore, and I think mm-hmm. it was when Kelsey catches that touchdown pass, like it has to turn around like opposite the way your body would normally in a situation like the first touchdown Kansas City scores against Kyle Hamilton. And I think that was the first touchdown he'd given up to like a tight end all season. At that point, I'm like, well, you're not coming back from that. It's interesting. Uh, Andy is fourth all time in wins. He's uh, in NFL history. got 258. He's passed Tom Landry this year for fourth on the list. He's so Belichick's at 302. He's third, then Hallis and then Shula at 328. So, the Shula number is probably not one that's attainable for him, but with Belichick not coaching next year, Reed absolutely can get to him. I mean, that's four more seasons. They're playing 17 games a season now. He's going to win 10 or 11 games, sometimes 12 every time he's got Mahomes, and he gets these postseason wins that start to stack on it as well. So it's it's all very much in play for him to go on a, on a long run. And and Mahomes is he's 65 too, so like it's, it's he's not in his 70s or anything. He could. Easily go another five to seven years, provided he has the health to be able to do it. I do think this Chiefs team reveled in the idea of being the underdog. Here's Mahomes on that. Just going into two hostile environments, having to come together as a team and, and to win those games and, and hold that trophy, it really was special. But if I had my choice, I'd rather do it at Arrowhead. So we'll try, after we go through the Super Bowl and hopefully win it, we're going to try to get it back at Arrowhead next year. He loved it. He loved going on the road, man. Well, and it, was, it. it was so cool the way that they were able to like slow play both games and say, we don't need Mahomes to go out there and pass for 400 yards and four touchdowns. We can get a lead and we can, we can figure out a way to, to make this work and just do enough on offense. And, you know, I'm giving a lot of accolades to their offense here, but to be fair, the Ravens, it's hard to decide. Did the Ravens figure out the Chiefs offense in the second half or did the Chiefs purposely just kind of take their foot off the gas because they were trying to manage the game in front of them. And I'm not sure which is which, but the the defense did a really good job after giving up that 17 points early. Baltimore's really good. Yeah. So yeah I think their I, defense both is, defenses yeah. were able to make the proper second half adjustments. And I also think that you had a Kansas City team that was like, we might be good at 17. Like, we don't need to press like he knew Mahomes wasn't going to turn it over correct you hope he's going to play clean Lamar wouldn't either yeah yeah but you knew Patrick was not going to throw a pick you knew he wasn't going to turn it over so like to me it just felt like they just salted it away you know Mm -hmm. it never felt like they needed to do anything more than than what they did I you know I I think it's a 
it's an awesome season for Baltimore. Um, and they're not going anywhere. Like they're, this isn't like the Bills situation. We got cap hell. Like they're going to be around and be in the mix for a while. This will be something next year that will have a lot of pressure for them. But I think for this year, a really remarkable season considering where they were a year ago when, when Lamar was going to walk, or at least that was the thought. Here's John Harbaugh on his team and his season. It was a team that had a lot of challenges. You know, I don't think it was a team that was too highly touted coming into the season by, by the pundits and the prognosticators and all that. And I think they proved a lot of people wrong all year. Quarterback made a statement all year. Uh, so many players, so many players that had so much to prove. I think of a guy like John Simpson, you know, just off the top of my head, who had so much to prove and come in and play the way he did. Um, you know, uh, Judavian Clowney, Kyle, Kyle Van Noy, just two guys that came in late, you know, that, that uh, you know, it didn't seem like anybody else wanted, right? And they came in and played the way they did. So uh, there's so many stories on this team, so many individual stories. The message is, to, you know, is, is, you know, eyes straight ahead, you know, your chin up, your chest out, and uh, and understand what you what you did accomplish. Ultimately, yeah. the Ravens just made too many mistakes in this game, and that's they what did. we were talking about. Yeah. Mahomes doesn't make those. No, and they're going to be able to run it back because Munkin will be back as offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll see about McDonald. He may end up going to Seattle, but... If not, they could they could run this whole operation back and, and be right back in the mix. They're, they're not going anywhere. Uh, get some perspective on Championship Sunday with our buddy Sam Monson, PN, PFF's lead NFL analyst, coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The Big Nine was a sad, incomplete place. Enter Ohio State. The rest is history. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The Fan. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. First Friday miracles are always better with Uncle Bo. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's get some perspective on Championship Sunday and also the Browns' reported new offensive coordinator hiring with Sam Monson, good buddy from PFF, lead analyst, PFF NFL podcast host, one of the best in the business. Sam, thanks for taking the time. Let's start on Championship Sunday, and I learned my lesson last week. I, I actually bet on Buffalo, and I've never bet against Mahomes ever, and I, I, I felt there's an inevitability to him. He is so damn good in the postseason, and they didn't need him to throw for 300 yesterday, but every play they needed he made. What did you make of the Chiefs' approach yesterday in Baltimore, and conversely, Baltimore's approach to that second half? Yeah, I thought both defenses in that game were phenomenal. Um, but the difference is, you're right, Mahomes in the playoffs is inevitable. And the stats aren't great, but you look at what happened on third down, and every time they needed a play, Mahomes found one. Um, it was a really impressive performance from him. You know, late in the game, when they're trying to ice it away, he has the confidence to go back to a guy like Valdez Scantling, who's let him down in the regular season multiple times this year and still gave him the ball, gave him the chance, and they made the play. So his postseason numbers are ridiculous at this point. Forget the fact that his baseline in his career is reaching the AFC championship game and you know his wins and losses and all those kinds of things. His numbers across the board get better in the playoffs. His turnover-worthy play rate drops more than a full percentage point in postseason play to a level that would be the best in the NFL in a regular season most years against the best defenses in the NFL, against the best teams in the NFL. So 
when the lights go on and Mahomes needs to get it done, he does tangibly raise his game <clears throat> to a different level. And I'm with you. I think at that point, the Chiefs are never a team to bet against. No, you can't. I mean, I, I learned hard, hard lesson. I went with my heart thinking Buffalo would maybe get it. No, not. Historically, I mean, you've been charting this for a long time. I mean, like we, we use the word inevitable with him in terms of the way that he elevates compared to what is already an absurd baseline. It, is it Brady like in, in those New England stuff? Because this is heavy stuff. This is six straight AFC championship games. Now four Super Bowls chasing his third title. Yeah, it feels very similar to Tom Brady and the Patriots, right? I mean, they had seasons where they didn't seem overwhelming and they didn't absolutely dominate everybody in the regular season. And there was a feeling of, well, maybe this is a, you know, a down year for the Patriots. They're going to win 11, 12 games, make the playoffs, but they're beatable this year. And then they would get to the postseason. And anytime Tom Brady and the Patriots had a chance, they would just up their game. They didn't make a mistake. And other teams did. Other teams tightened up. And somehow they find their way through to an AFC championship or a Super Bowl again. That's what Mahomes and, and the Chiefs are. They've yeah. sort of found this level of it might not look perfect in the regular season, but they're so good they're going to make the playoffs again. And even if they have to go on the road, they're going to figure it out by the time the postseason rolls around. And then they're not going to make the mistakes that other teams might. And that really was the story of the game Yesterday, Mahomes and the Chiefs really didn't make many mistakes at all, and the Ravens made a lot more than they normally did or in the regular season, and that changed the outcome. Big picture for, from the Baltimore perspective, uh, Buffalo's got, it does feel like, to me it felt like Buffalo, I don't know if you feel this way, for me it felt like this was kind of the, the end of that this looking run for Buffalo. Their roster will be potentially dramatically different next year. Baltimore feels like this could this is just a, a first big step, and I'm, I'm curious from your vantage point as you watch them all season, the Todd Munkin effect on on Lamar and then Lamar's own personal growth from the player that, that we used to see to the player we saw this season. How substantial was it? I think it was significant. Um, obviously, we're talking about a guy that's that's won a unanimous, a unanimous MVP award in his career so far, so he, he's already set pretty high standards yeah. in the past, but this was the best version, I think, of Lamar Jackson we've seen certainly since that season, and maybe ever. It may have been a better version of him than that performance, even if you know the numbers and, and the accolades won't necessarily seem the same, but it was a more complete picture of Lamar Jackson, and this was really the first game where any team had answers for that offense and for what Lamar was capable of doing. And even in this game, there's a couple of plays in there that Lamar makes that, you know, otherwise the game wouldn't have even been close. The, the touchdown to uh, Zay Flowers, I mean, Lamar Jackson should have been sacked on that play. Leo yeah. Chanel had him in the headlights, and he wasn't able to get him to the ground. And not only did it not end up as a negative play for the offense, it ended up becoming a touchdown because of what Lamar Jackson can do. So, he was absolutely spectacular this season, and you know maybe he came up short in this game in terms of there were a couple of plays that he could have made and he didn't, or a play that he did make that he shouldn't have in terms of the the, the interception into triple coverage. But he also didn't get helped. You know, the, I think the Ravens' game plan, the fact that they abandoned the run so early and so completely, didn't help him uh, make that those plays and win that game. But I think you have to look at what the Ravens have done this season and say the, the future looks bright for them because yeah. the offense was better, the defense was better. Even if um, you know a coach gets poached away in the offseason, it, it still should be an upward trajectory for them. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. The, the NFC game was 
was a classic. It had it all. Big, big lead for the Lions. Um, obviously, Dan Campbell being raked over the coals. I, I don't have a problem with it. I think you got to be who you are. Um, did, is there anything that you would change about the way Campbell coached the second half? No, not really. I, I think if you're going to have a coach that has made a career so far out of being aggressive on fourth down and, and going for those plays, you can't then complain when it doesn't work. I mean, he's he's gained more win percentage points than anybody else in the NFL in the regular season with that kind of attitude. So it, it makes sense to stick with it. In fact, if you wanted to criticize, criticize him for those decisions, the one to criticize him for may be the one before halftime where he actually did deviate from it and kicked the field goal instead. Like what if he had instead of kicking the field goal gone for a touchdown right before half from whatever it was, the three-yard line? Yeah. That could have been the difference – between winning and losing the other way. Like if he'd scored a touchdown there, that's four points. Forget the three that everybody's looking for for a 45-yard field goal or whatever it was. That would have been an extra four points, and instead he did get more conservative than he usually would lean and took the points, took the field goal, took the three. So, look, I think this is who Dan Campbell is. He's playing percentages. He's using analytics. He's using win percentage points, and it's like like poker. You know, the idea is to be – sort of mathematically correct most of the time, it doesn't mean that you're going to win every hand. You're going to have to play it over the long haul. It's like the swinger scene with Favreau and Vaughn, right? Always double down on an 11. Well, not in this instance. Uh, it's kind of that type of thing, Sam. Um, th- this this 49, two incredible uh, clutch second halves for Brock Purdy the last two weeks. He needed all of it. Uh, they have so many weapons, so diverse, but they got down big in this game. I don't think they can afford to do that against Kansas City. What What is your your read on that one early here a couple of weeks out? Well, we just talked about it before. I mean, I don't think I don't see how you can make Patrick Mahomes an underdog for this kind of game, given what we've just seen from them over the last couple. I think they should be the favorites, even though the 49ers, I think, have opened as a slight favorite. Um, I I agree. I think the 49ers need this game to stay within reach, and they need to have you know a neutral game script situation for that offense to function the way it, it does at its best. But I think it's big for them that the last couple of games haven't gone that way. And they at least know now they're capable of that kind of comeback. Previously, you know, there were all those crazy statistics of Shanahan had never come back from even five points down entering the fourth quarter. It was 0-30 before that Green Bay game. And then this one, you know, the comeback was kind of achieved before the fourth quarter. But the same thing, they were down big. And that's when that offense usually doesn't function the way it it, uh, does at its best and they were able to come back against the Lions as well. So I think those two games are really big psychologically for everybody in the 49ers and for Brock Purdy, who, remember, is still in the second year and hasn't got that wealth of experience to draw back on. Whether or not it was because the Lions' defense isn't great and Joe Barry's defense got really soft at the most critical time, in Purdy's eyes, you know, he made that comeback. That He, he became clutch. So... For them, I think it, it's been two big games to at least give them some psychological armor against a team like Kansas City, who's the one team in this postseason that has no like psychological damage whatsoever. They are firmly convinced that they are going to win every game they go into, and it's difficult to argue with that. Yeah, it feels like they have the answer to the test. You know, with with fifteen, every no matter what the test is, they have it. Uh, Sam, I want to ask you about Ken Dorsey and the Browns and the hire there. Do you like the fit? And uh, my read on it would be that Kevin Stefanski's not giving up play calling, but I could be wrong. 
I think it's a very interesting fit because of that. Um, the the Browns offensive coordinator job, and in fact the head coaching job now, is a unique one in the NFL because the task isn't, you know, what is the best offense we can create. It's not even what is the best version of Kevin Stefanski's offense can, can we create. You know, is the play calling better off in somebody's hands? It's what is the best offense we can create to rescue Deshaun Watson because mm-hmm. – they're stuck with him. You know, they, they can't get away from that. There's no stop date like there is with the Russell Wilson contract where you can say, okay, when does it become palatable to move on from him? Even factoring in the idea that it's going to be the biggest dead hat cap hit in the NFL uh, in history, they are stuck with him. So they, whoever they bring in and whoever is tasked with sort of creating that offense, the job is what is the best version of Deshaun Watson can we create? Forget everything else. That is now the game plan. And I don't actually know whether that means Dorsey is going to be, you know, given the play calling duties on that, or if Stefanski is going to keep that part of it and Dorsey's job will be more big picture and and trying to sort of give Stefanski, like, this is what it should look like game day. Now go out there and call the game. But it's a very um, difficult gig that those two have got to put their heads together and, and create this offense. Yeah, not a coincidence that the best the offense has looked since Stefanski's been there was with Flacco, who's comfortable with his back behind his uh, to the defense, and Watson's isn't. And that's that's a problem, certainly. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Greatly appreciate you on a busy Monday. Thanks for giving us some of your time today. Anytime. Take it easy, guys. All right, that's Sam Monson, PFF, uh, lead NFL analyst on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. We've got a giveaway for you. It is cheap trick. It is heart. Uh, they're going to be at the Schottenstein Center on Wednesday, May 15th. Uh, winner's going to get two tickets to Seahart uh, and Cheap Trick. Uh, let's go. Number four caller at 821-9710 scoops those up. Three things on a Monday. Coming up next, Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. This promo is brought to you by Common Man and Timmy Hall's Ping Pong Game. The Fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Tom to Barry for a decade. The broadcast gods gave Bo these two. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, Reese, we, we got a winner there. Do we have a winner? Uh, we do. Congratulations, Ronald. Good job, Ronnie. You're going to see Heart and Cheap Trick Wednesday, May 15th at the Schottenstein Center. We'll have a pair of tickets to give away every day this week on this program. There you go. And what do we have in the poll? Daily Fan Poll, sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. Today's Daily Fan Poll asks, which team had the toughest loss this weekend? Jackets, basketball, Buckeyes, Lions, or the Ravens? And by the Buckeyes, I mean the men's basketball team, because Ohio State's women's squad won at Purdue yesterday. But right now, the Daily Fan Poll, Lions had the worst loss on the weekend at 65% of respondents saying so. There's hurts the, the most. Gut, yeah. It's the biggest gut punch for sure. You know, you you feel like you're there. You know, you feel like you feel like you're right there. And so who 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 are the franchises who have not been to the Super Bowl that have been in the league as long as the Super Bowl has been around? Just the Browns and the Lions? 
And the Browns even have a few years where they didn't exist. So it's really kind of only the Lions. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, maybe it is. Just, yeah, that's true. If you want to use the technique. Yeah. Because the Lions, the Browns became the Ravens. Um, all right. Three things. Hit it. One, two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. Number one for me, uh, after the NFC game finished yesterday, I was looking for something to basically take me to the 11 o'clock hour, which is, is bedtime, lights out. And uh, one of the channels in the in the cable tier, the local channels, had Yellowstone, had a Yellowstone rerun on, and they're like replaying it. And the episode featured, the end of it featured Lloyd. I mean, guess what? Everyone's trying to take the ranch. Beth warning her dad, you're going to lose it for nothing, all of that stuff, which we've seen a lot. But then it had Lloyd and Rip at, sitting in a bar sucking down some Yellow Jackets. And uh, Walker is playing guitar uh, across the other way. And Lloyd turns around and he goes, isn't he supposed to be dead? And it occurred to me that, like, Taylor Sheridan story arcs, they're relevant. (laughs) Doesn't matter. If he likes, he can do whatever he wants. Guys, now, I know that they didn't kill him in the episode, but, like, it just was a reminder of just how incoherent and how he would start storylines and just quit them. Remember John Dutton had cancer in the first season and then they changed it? That he didn't? I mean, it never, we've Miracle. never even heard about it again. Like, crazy. I, so I just, was, I, I really enjoyed the show. I don't know if we'll ever see it again, but my God, was it incoherent at times. Soap opera started on the radio, moved to daytime TV, then moved to primetime TV, and yeah. now they said, well, what if we just made him for men, too? That's it. It's just That's a soap opera for men. Because we love him. I mentioned going out to dinner for my brother's birthday, so two things from that. The first one here, um, my mom ordered a Manhattan and ordered it up, and I was like, you know what? That sounds kind of cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to order the Manhattan up, too, and and match the order of my mom. And actually, not probably going to do it every time, but if I'm at a nicer place, I think I'm going to mix that in a little bit. My favorite part is when you finish it, you just crank it all the way back, and the cherries roll right down the glass, and you you get those too as a little dessert on top of it. So Manhattan up, definitely going to be on the menu for me every once in a while. It's good both ways, man. Manhattan's good both ways. It's going to be a light sports night. So can I interest you in Jazz Nets NBA basketball? No. What about <laughs> if I threw in Ben Simmons, Ooh, who's been sidelined since November 6th uh, with a nerve injury in his back? The gonna, back is back. In 20 minutes, he's going to give you a four, five, and two. <laughs> I think I'm probably good. Uh, number two for me, the, this this weather is just complete trash, like this gray, rainy, sometimes slushy, awful. We're walking into Whole Foods yesterday to get some groceries. The boys are going to grab some lunches. We're walking in. It's kind of like rainy and gross. And uh, I look at Beams. I said, well, what do you think about this weather, dude? And he goes, I just want to go to California right now. I said, well, yeah, it's nice. We, I was saying, brother, I feel you. It's good that he's that young and already wants to be out of it that quickly. Uh, Second one for me, one of the gifts my brother got uh, for his birthday, his girlfriend got him like the one of the VR headsets that you know you can play games on and stuff. And so he downloaded like a little bowling game so we could all try it. And one, it's like crazy how immersive it is. Like when you have the headset on and then like you take it off and you're just like back in, in the room. It's it's really weird. But two, somebody has to hold the dogs because I hit two of the three dogs in the head because they kept running up to me as I was trying to do my bowling motion. So you got to keep an eye on the dogs if you throw on the VR headset. Number three for... I'm sorry, Reese. Go ahead, Reese. It's also going to be a light sports weekend. You'll have the Mm -hmm. Senior Bowl Saturday in Mobile, Alabama. That's a one o'clock start. It's the unofficial start of hand size season. So Washington's Michael Penix had his left hand measured yesterday and it was 10 and three eighths of an inch. 
Very large for someone his size. Remember, Kenny Pickett, eight and five-eighths inches. Oh, boy. There you go. There you go. Finally, for me, it is pretty remarkable when you give some time to think about it that a guy who played center, a guy from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, who played center at Cincinnati and the Philadelphia Eagles, and his younger brother, who played tight end at Cincinnati and the Kansas City Chiefs, have become the faces of the NFL, or at least co-faces of the NFL. That this has happened is it's a a tribute to obviously they're both great they're going to be gold jackets but these are typically not the positions where you rise to a a place of prominence and they've done so and yeah the Taylor Swift stuff with Travis helped certainly a little bit but they were headed this way anyway with the podcast and with everything else it's a hell of a story and it's it really goes against all type of what typically you're looking for when you think about the faces of the league. That reminds me of something that I'll make this my third thing because we, you know, we joked about the conspiracy theory of the the NFL. Are they going to do they give it away with the colors and the Super Bowl logo? Yeah. But like the idea that Taylor Swift decided to date Travis Kelsey to like increase her profile, like that's just <laughs> people not understanding the situation. Taylor Swift is like the most famous person in the world. She did not need Travis Kelsey to lift her profile. She was she's worth one point one point five billion. <laughs> she's doing all right. Speaking of profiles, over the weekend uh, the Mona Lisa was vandalized by food protesters. They threw awesome. soup, but there's bulletproof glass in front of it so the painting wasn't damaged. Go take a look at some of the images. I think the Mona Lisa, which is very overrated, that exhibit actually looks better with soup splattered all over. <laughs> well, you might be right. Coach Holtman Show coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Bishop and Friends are right here on The Fan. Men and Bones stupid in real life? Yes. Yes, they are. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. It's a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 49ers were as high as 4-1 to to come back and beat the Lions when they trailed in the third quarter. But they pull off the upset, and now they are the ESPN Bet Super Bowl favorites over the Chiefs. For the Lions, teams leading by 17 or more at halftime in conference championship games were 21-0. Now that number's 21-1. For your ESPN action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.